So I thought I was the queen of Airbnb. Check the profile. I visited all the places. However, how can I truly be a queen if I have never been a host? Didn't even think about it, y'all. It's time to think about it because my place is cute. Why not share? I know. I got you thinking about it now. All right. Well, don't think about it. Be about it. Find out how you can be a host at airbnb.com slash host. Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple. 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City Branch. Subject to credit approval. Terms apply. Hi, it's Sugar Steve from Questlove Supreme. If debit is your go-to card, Discover thinks it's time you get rewarded too. So, check out Discover Cashback Debit a game-changing checking account with cash back on everyday debit card purchases. That's right, cash back isn't just for credit cards anymore. Whether it's a movie date, flea market find, or midday latte, you can start earning cash back. And did I mention there are no fees, period? Check out transaction eligibility and terms at discover.com slash cashbackdebit. Discover Bank, member FDIC. Questlove Supreme is a production of iHeartRadio. Ladies and gentlemen, what's up? This is Questlove, and this is another episode of Questlove Supreme. We got the Team Supreme with us right now. The one and only Sugar Steve. Yo, yo. How goes it, sir? Oh, wow. Um, oh, I'm, you're, you're, cons- you're uh, shocked that I actually care about your well-being? Yes. Um, but no, I'm, I'm feeling good. <laughs> Everything's good. So glad to be here with Team Supreme and Bernadette. This yeah. is going to be great. Hey. Yep. It's going to be awesome. Good. Uh, Fon Tigolo, you're with Kelly yeah, yeah, man, I'm good, brother. I'm over here chilling, fighting for his uh, his his rights and his masters. And, Listen, you know. or as we call it in the music business, Wednesday. That yeah. call. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever. I feel you. I feel you. Uh, and and our our uh, diva that needs love too. Nice callback. Yes, that was good. That was one of my favorites. How's it going? It's good. I'm I'm mad we ain't doing no roll call because I'm just, if we we were doing roll call right now, I would really quill this. I'm just. I know, man. We're going (laughs) to, by by the time, hopefully someone will invent a a system that will, you know, fix all the latency problems on, you know, for roll call. Uh, Ladies and gentlemen, I will say that speaking of Diva, our guest today is probably I mean, she's beyond diva. She is beyond <laughs> queen. She is beyond legend. Uh, she just is. And I'll say that I know it's hard to imagine. I'm not trying to sound like grandpa. I, I noticed that like all my tales of music starts with the like, well, back in my day. But, <laughs> you know, it's really it's really hard to imagine like a like a time period in which being in a band like wasn't a, a, a like a novel idea. And you know, a lot can happen in, in thirty five <laughs> years. Mm. Yes. We're we're now living time. in the age of the solo act and you know, a lot of these acts are chasing perfection with pre recorded tracks. But I mean there was there was a time in history where you know, where collaboration was key, magic came in in in, in, in numbers and it was it was a thing to see, you know, to watch people mm-hmm. as a unit 
uh, kick ass. And I will say that our guest really personifies that, you know, the band that she established in the late 70s, known as Climax, was pretty much, you know, I'll say that kind of sort of anomaly consisting of badass women playing instruments, <laughs> which, you know, sad to say that, again, like, the fact that that's a novelty shows you, like, the the sad state of, of where we are right now in, in music. But, you know, this particular band, you know, the hits were a plenty, uh, one of the best puns in music, uh, you know, Men All Paws, the anthemic Don't Mess With Me anthem, uh, Meeting in the Ladies Room, not to mm, mention... Because I'm not uh, in the mood. Yeah, and the Forever uh, Prom anthem uh, from my era. I, I miss, miss you. you. So many hits, so many hits, the name Sexy, Divas Need Love too, and everything. Um, not to mention uh, her work as a producer with Cheryl Lim, Paul Abdul, wow. Pat Midler, Shalimar. And wow. I, I can't wait till we start talking about Madam X. Madam oh. X is probably the most expensive record I ever purchased on eBay. This is before oh. I knew that you oh, could yeah. rip songs off of YouTube. Yeah. So. <laughs> Anyway, uh, ladies and gentlemen, please welcome to our show the one and only, the legendary diva of all divas, Bernadette Cooper, the Questlove Supreme. Yeah. Meow, 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 meow. Hello. Hello welcome. there. Hi, Quest. Yo, I noticed something. When a microphone is present, I cannot whistle. My whistle's on. That's what you were right. trying to do? Okay. I was trying to whistle when it was just like. <laughs> Look like, like, like blowing kisses at us. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, anyway, so. <laughs> Miss Cooper, I, how, how are you today? How, how's it going? I'm doing well. It's an honor, honor to be here with all of you. Thank you. What what part of the world are you in right now? Right now, I'm in Westchester. Right now, my studio is here. Not yeah. that, not your Westchester. She in my Westchester. Yeah, she Los on, oh, there's a Westchester, California. Yeah, yes. Yeah. I was like, yo, you down the block? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I, I thought here. you were in New York. And, um, I got my studio out here. I'm working. Jerry Brown told me to say hello. The legendary like the Jerry, Jerry Brown. Brown? Yeah. Oh, Jerry the engineer Brown. Jerry Brown? Yes, yes. Is it the Christmas in his studio right now? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that he guy's name keeps you, coming up. Yeah. He told me to tell you hello. He just actually, he was here working in my in my studio. I have a mixing room. And okay. he just did, he worked on John Legend. Yeah, yeah. his Christmas album. Yeah, yeah, Jerry's world famous for um, his his Christmas decorations in the studio. That's, yes. Uh, we just new, talked about him. His yes. mood lamps and his lights and his candles and... Yeah, yes, he, he he brings the sexy. He does. Okay, I, I've never heard his designs design, uh, described as sexy. Like he you always brought the, the cheerful and hat. Like when we're there, it's like it's Christmas. I feel like I, I should be, you know, bringing a gift or whatever. But uh, exactly. Um. Yeah. You know. Uh. Of course, being on the show puts us in the the position of always having access to a lot of the acts that we grew up on that we feel that haven't been praised enough or haven't gotten that much attention. And what was weird is that I work at 30 Rockefeller Plaza, which I consider sort of like a, a university for comedy. That's where like Seth Meyers and the tonight show with Jimmy Fallon, Saturday night live and all these, these legendary New York shows are, are shot. And, um, whenever Saturday night live is in season, um, I'm usually there to watch tapings of the show. And um, this year was like really something special in which just out of nowhere, they did this really awesome sketch. Yes. 
based uh, on me yes. in the ladies' room. I was hoping you was going somewhere I could follow. Yes. You know what? Yeah. It's actually the second one. The first one, Halle Berry. Halle Berry, right. Yeah. Right. Good and I, I totally, I remember I was laughing because it was so authentic and so on point. Yeah. I was, you know, the audience was laughing, but I was laughing like it was funny and I knew the reference point. Yeah. You know, whereas I think half the audience who was like millennials and Gen Z would just thought like, oh, they're doing some crazy 80s thing that mm-hmm. we don't get the reference. And I remember grilling um, Steve Higgins, who's sort of like Jimmy's uh, sidekick on The Tonight Show. He runs Saturday Night Live. Yeah. And I just grilled him like, yo, like you guys did such a deep cut inside joke mm-hmm. that like who... Who in your audience do you think will really remember like climax and the very specifics of like, you know, Cecily Strong playing the Bernadette Cooper role and, right. and Leslie playing like it was it was so on point. I was, was really impressed and I wanted to meet the writers and they were just like, you know, we we like music too and we we go outside the box. Even though they were young writers, I was really impressed that that they gave you guys like really a a, a really good shout out for your legacy. Like that sketch is gonna go you know, down. I feel like that will be on their sizzle reel way so down the line. Term. So yeah. yeah, it was great when I saw it. It was, you know, you know, I, I watch Saturday Night Live every night, every Saturday night. Yeah. And to, to sit there in bed, you know, you got your popcorn and all of a sudden, bam, it's like, oh, wow, it was great. It was a great honor. And you didn't know it was coming. That That's no. that's awesome. Isn't, that's it, awesome. isn't that good from a licensing perspective too, right? Like when they do something like that, Bernadette, is it good so, for you for real? You know? Sometimes, you know, when royalty time comes, you know, then I would really know. Sometimes sometimes it is and sometimes, you know. Sometimes it just sparks sales because yeah. people and, are and like. I, yeah. And I don't call them up and go, hey, where's my check? I don't do that. <laughs> I just I just kind of enjoy the moment and, and you know, I'm honored. Yeah, yeah I think like when, when it's done in parody, Mm-hmm. It's not the same as like clearing a sample. Wow, like, uh, they're kind of they're kind of parody laws that. Protect, but I think they actually did meeting in the ladies' they room. They did, so, though, right? They did the uh oh, yeah. and yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's just it's like a standard payment thing. But mm. hopefully that'll plant seeds with you know with an audience, and they'll do the research, and, and they'll find the record, and then yeah, that, exactly. that should have exactly. went up exactly right, exactly. Yeah, and that's how that's how legends are and, made. And promoters will will um, remember that we're here. Yes. Oh, yes. wow. I didn't think about that. Yeah. So many questions about that. So I, I I would like to know, because I really don't, you know, besides like the occasional coverage and like right on magazine, shout out to Cynthia Horner. Oh, God. I really don't know. <laughs> I mean, there's not there haven't been that Ooh. much in-depth interviews with you guys, even though you guys were doing the numbers. You guys were like doing massive pop hits. Um, so it's, I'm glad that we finally have this chance to talk to you. Uh, Thank you. Where were you born in Los Angeles? Yes, I was born in Los Angeles. Lived in Compton, Inglewood, uh, Hollywood. Grew up in mainly, you know, after after high school, I moved to the Hollywood area, and I lived there in Beachwood Canyon. Did okay. all of that. So yes, Los Angeles. Then I moved to New York for ten years. And okay. Now I'm back. Yeah. Can you tell us? Can you tell me what your first musical memory was? Wow. Um, when you say musical memory, like band that I. No, just from as a baby, like what? Like the first very thing, first musical memory as Aretha, a child. Aretha, of course, you know, and, and Aretha Franklin was my was my played in my household. 
when there were happy times, when there were sad times. So Aretha was a person that I used to listen to and uh, follow her lyrics and her and the, her vocal movements and her hooks and and it made me a better writer by the Aretha Franklin songs. And then of course, moving on, um, Diodato. Remember Diodato? Yeah. Yeah. Um, it was a little bit of um, all those guys, Jeff Beck. You know, I really got into that scene in kind of in the high school, junior high school era. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, I would say Aretha Franklin. What was your, what was the the family record collection like in your household? It's actually you know, a two parter. What was the what was the, what was the established records that were in your house? But then I want to know. What was the album that you purchased with your own money? Like, this is something I want out of out of your parents' range. Aretha Gladys, um, you know, Ray Charles. That was the, the songs that would be being played in my house household. Right. What I when I went out and bought were songs like, as I said, the Diodados. The the uh, um, I got really into the Ike and Tina Turner. I really loved them. You know, it's mm-hmm. it's not really much when I look back. It kind of, I had a range of people that I really, really love. Michael Henderson, all those kind of people are the people I used to come home from high school and listen to. In your household, were you, like, did you have other siblings? Like, how was this music passed down? Was it like older cousins or older siblings yeah, I, that put you on to it? Or? No, I didn't really have a musical household, you know, other than the songs I just mentioned that, that were played, you know, uh, which was Aretha. I got more into it when I was in, went to church. And okay. then my yeah, my, and then as far as playing the drums is concerned, my mom married the preacher and he had a drum set. And I started practicing every day. Ooh, and, story. Uh, mm. Yeah. <laughs> oh, drama. Mm. And uh, <laughs> and, uh <laughs> I st- <laughs> and I started practicing every day. And I taught myself how to play drums. Why the drums? Because they were there. I mean, really. It I have no like, excuse. It wasn't it wasn't like a, a, a passion or a love. Oh, I, I want to play the drum. They happened to be there and I kind of geared towards it. And my brother started playing the bass and we were together in the mm-hmm. garage practicing every day. And he probably made me um, a more powerful drummer because he really pushed me, you know. And then we played in the church band. And um, that's my early beginning musical life. Then, of course, we created a group called Blue Ice, which was in junior high school with Michael Norfleet. You know Michael Norfleet, right? I know this keyboard. name, but yeah, for our player. listeners, can you tell Michael Northley? He, he's a keyboard player. Okay. Chucky Booker, you know, Chucky Booker, Michael Northfleet, all those guys are kind of like of that same vibe. So I started a band in junior high school called Blue Ice, the horn section. I had a guy like like Mike, um, uh, uh, James Brown, who uh-huh. we, we won all the contests because he was James Brown. And he, then we had a girl drummer. Oh, no, we won everything. So, that so was, you that were always a, in those battle the band things in high yes, school and junior uh, high. Yes, yes. And you were always in diverse bands too, like yes, gender wise. Kind of diverse bands, and then uh, then I took a love in in high school. I started learning how to write because I'm really kind of a musician who plays by ear and I create by ear, and I kind of hear it in my head and I play it. And I learned how to play uh, read music in high school, and that's where the early beginnings were started. Listen, Black representation is essential. If I hadn't seen and heard certain Black women in radio, I wouldn't be in radio. Women like Robin Breeden, Candy Shannon, Michelle Wright, Deanna Williams. Women 
owning radio stations like Kathy Hughes. Listen, the next generation of influential black voices can be found on NPR's new collection, Black Stories, Black Truths. Black Stories, Black Truths is a celebration of blackness from NPR. Each of NPR's black voices are as distinct, varied, and nuanced as the black experience itself. Word. In the Black Stories, Black Truths collection, you'll hear stories of joy, resilience, empowerment, and creating world-shifting things out of struggle. Each episode is a living account about what it means to be black today, told from a unique black perspective. From Bobby Smurder to The Wire, Michelle Obama to reparations, there's no limit to the range of Black Stories, Black Truths. Black perspectives haven't always been centered in the telling of America's story. Now, they are the story. In NPR's Black Stories, Black Truths, you'll find a collection of some of NPR's best podcast episodes celebrating the Black experience. Here are a feed of episodes from across NPR's podcasts that center Black voices. It's NPR Noir. Listen now to Black Stories, Black Truths from NPR, wherever you get your podcasts. Okay, so I feel silly. Because as much traveling as I do, and as many Airbnbs that I stay in, because that's the only way I travel, I really have never considered my own space. I mean, think about it. What if you can make money for your next vacation while you're on vacation? And I know what you're thinking. You're like, my house is just not fancy enough. I just can't do the things. You're sleeping on your space. I'm sleeping on my space. Yes, I'm talking to myself. And I really don't even have to use my whole place. I could just Airbnb a room. I know how this works. Because again, I use Airbnb, duh. I mean, just think about it. Most of us that use Airbnb are only using it for 50% of its power. We're spending the money, but we're not making the money. What if we could do both? Whoa, mind blowing. And your home really might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hi, it's Sugar Steve from Questlove Supreme. If debit is your go-to card, Discover thinks it's time you get rewarded too. So, check out Discover Cashback Debit, a game-changing checking account with cash back on everyday debit card purchases. That's right, cash back isn't just for credit cards anymore. Whether it's a movie date, flea market find, or midday latte, you can start earning cash back. And did I mention there are no fees, period? Check out transaction eligibility and terms at discover.com slash cashbackdebit. Discover Bank, member FDIC. Even even back then, did you have a, a yearning or did you feel that there was a need for a band of all women? Because I think by that point, when I was a kid, the only band that I saw that had like women playing an equal role in the instrumentation. I mean, besides Sly and the Family Stone, which, you know, it's kind of mind-blowing for people to see, like, a, a trumpet player mm-hmm. and a keyboard player. But I remember growing up watching, there was a Philly group called Ecstasy, Passion, and Pain. Uh-huh. And they had, a, they had a drummer named Cookie. And I was really impressed, like, asking my mom, like, yo, girls can play drums too? Like, mm-hmm. did, did they act like that was a novelty or was it just normal? Because... Normally, when you think of a drummer, it's always a man behind the skins or whatever. It's like yes. very unusual for certain instruments to be played by women, be it like a trombone or like it's like yes. things you don't see. But were people making a big deal of that? And did you take advantage of the fact that and did you play any other instruments as well? No. And what you just said is the reason why I, it came to mind that there was a void. 
you know, one day, you know, just in my low, my young mind, I said, wow, there's not a lot of uh, female musicians. I said, it right. would be great to create an all-girl band. And then watching LaBelle, really, really, I love LaBelle, okay? And I watched them and I saw the excitement that, that everybody had when these girls got on stage. And, you know, I'm one of those kind of people who cry when I see things that are you know, so unusual that, mm-hmm. you know, and they, they, would, they would just move me. And I said one day it would be great to um, put together an all-girl band. And, I mean, people ask me this question all the time. I don't really have an incredible answer other than that I think it was meant to be. And I just kind of came to me and this low young girl who had this idea started checking the yellow pages. Remember the yellow pages? Uh, back in the day? Yes. And trying to look for other musicians, calling uh, radio uh, uh, um, uh, record labels and asking them, hey, would you guys be interested in an all girl band? You know, and finally really? one one record company said, yes, we would be. I have an idea. And that's how it started. Wait a minute. That's how you got into the the because we have a billion questions about Dick Griffey, but okay. that's how that started. No, no, not Dick Griffey yet. Oh, okay. This was another label. This was another label, and another lady. It was a lady by the name of um, who was the A uh, and R person at this particular Sal. I was it? I forgot the name of the record. Was it Sal's Sal Watts Radio Record Label? Anyway, she was the A and R person. She says, "Come, I want to meet with you about this concept that you have." So we met and she says, I'm interested. Really? Her and, her and I together, she kind of, she and the, the record label funded my idea for a while. And I started looking for girls through the recycler paper. I, I started rehearsing these girls at Ike Turner Studio in Inglewood, which mm-hmm. I have great stories about. Ike yeah, because I was like, then you was a fan and then it circled back. I love it. Okay. Yeah, yeah. And um, Ike Turner Studio and I started like, she, she really kind of funded this. She, I don't know if she was coming up with the money to help me with this idea. And I said, I have a great name for the band. She said, let me know what the band is. I said, Climax. She says, I love it. Spelled with a K, L-Y-M-A-X-X. She says, I love the whole concept of it. And that's how, you know, that's how the seed was planted. And then from there, we went on. Damn, we okay, have to, the you got to back up a little bit. Yeah. Okay. Because um, also a, a recurring theme on the show our tales from the Ike Turner studio. Oh my God. Uh, we've had some nice ones from Charlie Wilson <laughs> about Stevie oh, Wonder. Like, so. Volick Studios. If, yes, if Definitely. the walls could talk. Yeah. What was happening at that studio? You know, Ike would pipe, he would, he would peek in every once in a while after rehearsals. You know, we weren't that good. You know, we didn't really get good until later on in life, but we were playing and we were trying and we were dedicated. So he would peep in and he had a bodyguard at that time. I forgot the gentleman's name, but he took a liking to me, the, um, the bodyguard. And we became friends. And we would okay. talk all the time. This is important. I'm going to get back to that. Oh, we but, love these stories. Yeah. The, the one time that, that Ike finally said, uh, he came into the studio and he looked around and he looked at me. And then the guy, let's call him Steve. Okay. Okay. Not Sugar Steve, but Sugar Steve. So okay. he says, um, he says, Ike wants to talk to you. Come into, he wants you to into the front studio because, you know, the rehearsal studios were on the side of the building. So I said, okay. And the girls were kind of looking at me and I go, I'll be back. And I went in and um, I'm going to tell, tell the story. We're not going to mess around here. So um, I went in there and, and I came and Ike was holding his pipe. 
he was getting high. Oh. And he goes, here, I want you to hit this, Mm-mm. right? And I go, well, I don't do drugs and I don't drink. I don't do any of that. He goes, I said, hit it, hit this pipe, right? Look at that. Mary and Barry. <laughs> I'm like, Mary and Barry, that's how it happened. Go ahead, yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. And he said, hit the pipe. And I was like, no, I don't do it. And he said, I said, he got really aggressive with me. He said, no, he says, you're good. He said, you're really good on the drums. You're going to go somewhere. And he goes, hit the pipe. And then Steve said, man, leave her alone. She's a good girl, man. Leave her alone. And I listened to him. And he just, and Steve took me out of there. And took me back to the rehearsal studio. (laughs) Wow. I can't now I'm thinking the visuals on that. I wonder promo. if it was the guy. Was it was it Frost in in the What's Love Got to Do with It movie? Chi McBride's character, uh, Frost. It that was like been. his guy. It, yes. I wonder if it was him. He was a kind of a big guy. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. Um, yes, yeah, I remember yeah. you talking about Fonte. I remember yeah. you talking about. Him. And um, he um, he saved me that day because I would have been a different girl today. <laughs> but Shit. Wow. That, you know, but yeah. I to, but I had to tell the story the way it happened. There's no way of sugarcoating that. No niceties, no like, hey, what's your name? And no, 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 it was just like, here, hit this. Hit that, yeah. Well, he gave me a compliment first. He told me I was right. good. I'm going to be a drummer. Was, you're good drummer. I'm going to be good and all of this kind of stuff. You know, I guess that was to soften me up a little bit. And I was like, no, sir. I, you know, I was very respectful. You're and right. I said, I said, no, sir. I don't, I don't, I don't do drugs. I don't, I don't, I don't want to do that. Oh, thank God. I'm yeah. tripping because in a 2021 America, like Ike Turner would not have existed with his studio, it being uh-huh. successful, people going to it, him being able to say that to you. Like, uh, oh no, it would exist. It's still it's still going on. Yeah, I was gonna say, like I, I'm sad to say on. that probably, yes, it, uh, it's uh-huh. still going on. <laughs> it's still going on. I mean, look at the look at all the entertainers who are dying. You know, that's it's, true. There's, there's still a culture. There's a drug thing. It is a on. drug culture. We just yes. don't. Right. We just don't know it because we don't. We're not in it. We I meant the misogynistic it. part of that. That the way he approached you and everything still, like that's it a still lot. happens. It still happens. I was going to say how how hard is it to be taken seriously in a time in which the even the idea of being a musician a female musician is such a, a, a rarity. Like how are you able to be taken seriously where it's just like, nah, I'm not messing with Bernadette Cooper. You know, in the or did you have to invent that character that we, well, we know? Cause have, you, you have this don't mess with me sort of stance with you. Well, I do have an alter ego, you know, and that would be my alter ego. The, the other, the real Bernadette Cooper is very shy and very, I'm a recluse and I'm really kind of like, and this character, I created this, this other character to get me through, I guess, you know, as I said, a lot of this stuff was meant to be, I can't really go, Oh, I created this character because of this, you know, and it was also a, a, a shield that I used to deal with a lot of family, um, uh, mental abuse and not really um, sharing in my dream. So I said, okay, I'm going to create this character who's strong, who's superwoman, because I got to mm-hmm. make, I got to make it to the next day, you know. So I created this character, and this character went on to work. She became the slapping girl. Yeah, you know, and I and I look good. All that stuff is mm-hmm. is really about loving yourself. It has nothing to do with physical appearance, but you have to be a diva to understand that, you know. 
I'm just curious if you believed it at the time or were you just saying it no, to believe no. it? Oh, okay. no, I, yeah, I, no, no. I was saying it from another, from an inner perspective. Mm-hmm. I wasn't saying, yeah. it, oh, I know I'm the cute. I was saying it because I had to find strength in, in going forward in this world by myself with my dream. So I created this character um, to achieve that, you know, and that, that character is still here. I'm still Good. recluse. I'm still a recluse. But they still, still working together, the characters. We don't know that, together. though. Yeah, right. <laughs> don't don't tell together. us how the sausages made. Like we, right, we, right, we right, right. Yeah. Exactly. So, I, I, yeah, I was going to ask. You know, oftentimes, uh, especially in black households, you know, survival. You know, hook or crook is is job one. That's what parents think. Like, get something to fall back on. Yeah. Get a good paying job. Mm-hmm. That sort of thing. Like we we, well, uh, you kind of answered it, but we're. What was your family's feelings on you pursuing this dream? Or was it like like you got till the age of 19 to make it or else, you know, you got to work Ooh. at the post, post office? Like, did they give you ultimatums or were they quasi nurturing? You know, I, or were I they really, church people? They it was a little bit of all of it. But the bottom line is that um, they weren't feeling it. Nobody. And um um, you know, I would, I was, my plan was to go to law school and become an attorney and to do that. And they were kind of like all behind me, brought me a car and took care of me and all of that stuff. But one day sitting in my accounting class, which was a, a elective that I had to take, which I was, I was sitting there looking at the, the, my teacher, like, I don't want to be here anymore. I want to play the drums. I want to be in a band. I'm never coming back again. So I got up. And I left in, in my class and I said, that's when I began my search for the all-girl band. My that was family college? was not, Yeah, that was college. Well, you know what? It was, um, you have to understand that I was an honor student. So I got out of high school fast. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. So I was kind of. Um, Which high school it, did you go to? I went to Compton and Inglewood High School. I graduated from Inglewood High School. I went to Compton, the my, what? ninth and tenth my tenth and eleventh grade and then right. I graduated um my mother moved to Inglewood and I graduated from Inglewood. Okay. So I, I gotta know what you know when most of us here, especially us non non California natives hear about Compton, of course we start just thinking the the the, the legend of whatever NWA was painting about what Compton represented. Yeah until, Patrice, until them. And Patrice Patrice Russian Patrice Russian, I was going to ask you about her. Yeah, yeah. She was, she was, she actually went to lock, but she was, and then Taste of Honey, they they were out during that time. They were out during that time. So that probably influenced me a little bit too, as far as the girl concept as well. Okay. But what, what was your high school like? And like, was it a nurturing environment? Was it more Joe Clark, lean on me, dangerous? You know, I have to say this, and um, you know, I, I was a tar babe, a tar baby, right? That was a, the um, the 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 logo was the tar baby. But those are the most wonderful years of my life in Compton High School. Were the really? most wonderful, yeah. And that's when the gang started shooting. Finally, that started, and when I was in school, that started happening. The shooting, and then and and what was in the shooting, and um, what kind of drugs was in then? Um, uh, uh crap? no 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 the one before that people were oh heroin uh no 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 it was, it was angel dust angel dust started happening oh. everybody was but, Damn, um, that was a good you guess know, 
that's when I got into the that's when, <laughs> that's when I got into the music class. That's when I started meeting new friends. That's right. where I felt love. Nobody had nothing, so nobody wasn't trying to act like they had nothing, you know. So that was a wonderful place to me for, for me. And then my mother moved to Inglewood, and I was kind of all alone, you know, all alone. I didn't really, you know. So I graduated from high school uh, early, and I was able to, you know, go to college. Yeah, not being from California, you realize how far those two places are. You don't realize how far those two places are from each other. What Inglewood and Compton? Uh huh. Just as culturally, it just seemed like yes, culture. Yeah, 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 yeah. exactly. I think to an outsider, though, like I would think that those schools were more closer to Joe Clark's "Lean on Me," where you might not live the the end of the school day. But was it that dire, or is that just Hollywood? No, that during that time it wasn't that dire. Okay. She pre, she pre that. I mean, remember, yeah. and it's funny if you watch. I don't know if y'all, you, well, you watch them. What that was them, right? That came out over the COVID, yeah. where they showed Compton before Bernadette's generation, when it was like yes. white folks yeah. and okay. just yeah. straight suburbs. Go. Yeah, no, it was it was cold, you know. Yeah. And oh, then okay. I think I think there was one gunshot, and that freaked everybody out. That's why my mother moved to Inglewood. Oh, and okay. um, yeah, and just drugs, angel dust. That's pretty much it. And the rest of it was like. A great experience for me. Oh. I had friends. I, you know, you're talking about I, a loner who made friends. You know, I I lived in Compton for one year as a baby, but you know, I don't have any memories. Yeah, as a two year older, but yeah, I do have a photo of me um, at a crip meeting because all my cousins right, were right. crips. <laughs> so I had a bandana and a and, and a derby on. So. You could have been a crip. I could have been a you know. Baby. No, I was I was I was you know they they were trying to crip me up. Yeah, me yeah, yeah, brought me to the meetings. Okay, so I feel silly because as much traveling as I do and as many Airbnbs that I stay in, because that's the only way I travel, I really have never considered my own space. I mean, think about it. What if you can make money for your next vacation while you're on vacation? And I know what you're thinking. You're like, my house is just not fancy enough. I just can't do the things. You're sleeping on your space. I'm sleeping on my space. Yes, I'm talking to myself. And I really don't even have to use my whole place. I could just Airbnb a room. I know how this works. Because again, I use Airbnb. Duh. I mean, just think about it. Most of us that use Airbnb are only using it for 50% of its power. We're spending the money, but we're not making the money. What if we could do both? Whoa. Mind-blowing. And your home really might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hi, it's Sugar Steve from Questlove Supreme. If debit is your go-to card, Discover thinks it's time you get rewarded too. So check out Discover Cashback Debit, a game-changing checking account with cash back on everyday debit card purchases. That's right. Cashback isn't just for credit cards anymore. Whether it's a movie date, flea market find, or midday latte, you can start earning cash back. And did I mention there are no fees, period? Check out transaction eligibility and terms at discover.com slash cashbackdebit. Discover Bank, member FDIC. Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple. 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City Branch. Subject to credit approval. Terms apply. 
can you tell me what the audition process, or at least what were you looking for in the audition process that basically brought like uh, Joyce and Lynn and Lorena and Cheryl and uh, well, uh, Robin, Robin. There were a lot of different versions of Climax before I got to. Thank you for okay. saying this. Yeah. yeah, I was going to say, I think there were seven women on the, it was the album with the air, hot air balloon, the first one. I mean, uh, even before that, even before oh, that. Okay. And I was, I was still in the narrowing down process. You oh, know? my bad. Go ahead. Yeah. I mean, even when we, you know, um, before Climax, all the Climax, it was kind of, I was smart enough to know, and I don't know how I got this knowledge that the girls had to be certain kind of girls in order mm. for radio discharge with the DJs to play our music. Right. Oh. So I was looking for sexy. I was looking for femininity. I was looking for girls who can play, and I, you know, and we had a camaraderie. So, you know, first it was um, Cooley, who I found from another band and mm-hmm. uh, she was playing with a, a, a band with her boyfriend. And I talked her into joining us. And then it was um, Lynn Mosby. They came. A lot of mm-hmm. them came. It was a paper called The Recycler, where okay. you could put an ad in for twenty five dollars or however much. And then mm-hmm. people would respond to and call, hey, I play guitar, you know. Then we had Jeannie Cunningham was the first guitar player. Then came Cheryl Cooley, actually. And then how we arrived at the climax that we are now, it was Cheryl first. And then it came, um, Lynn came in through an audition. I believe she came in from the recycler paper. Okay. Um, um, then there were a the couple other girls in the group who I knew from Compton who I eventually, um, um, how can I say? I eventually let them go and I found new girls. Joyce Irby didn't come into the group until after our first album mm-hmm. and we had a contract sign. We already had a recording deal when she came into the group because okay. I, fired, I fired the bass player. Now, why I fired the bass player, I can't exactly remember the reason. It was a conga player and a bass player. Got mm-hmm. rid of them because of some reason or another. And Mr. Griffey came to me, he goes on. This was after. You guys want to get to that point? No, no. We take your time. We just, no, take right. your time. We right. love stories. Stories so, you never so, told before. So, yeah. I mean, Dick, Mr. Griffey, you know, me and Duke, Mr. Dick Griffey, oh, I loved him. He was a wonderful, wonderful gentleman. And what? I mean, yeah. I mean, to me, I don't know anybody else's experience, but he gave me my first opportunity as right. a writer, a producer. And, you know, without him, I would not be talking to Questlove. Okay. Bottom I line, feel you. Bottom line. Okay, this man would not only that, he would take us out to dinner and teach us about wine and my my first taste at Escargot. He was a wonderful guy. He would call me up and talk to me about the band. He was a wonderful guy. And he called me up. He goes, you know, why'd you fire the bass player? I really loved the bass. I thought the bass player was cool. And I go, well, because of this reason, he go, what are we going to do now? So we talked about it. And he said, hey, I remember this girl uh, in Fayetteville, North Carolina who keeps, you know, kept giving me, yeah, who kept giving me a tape, who kept giving me a tape and all these things. And I go, he goes, I'm going to bring her out here and I want you to let me know what you think. So I said, okay, he brought her out. She, she seemed cool. Everything was good. You know, she played the bass. She came to rehearsals. She was a nice girl. Everything was cool. He says, what do you think? I said, can we just try her out for a little while? He goes, no, we need to move forward. We got a contract. I can't, we got to get somebody stable in the group. So mm-hmm. that's how Joyce Herpy got signed. All right. Oh, so, she's from so, Fayetteville. Yeah. Yes, sir. Did you know that, uh, Fonte? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. 
Fonte know everybody. Yeah, when I was a kid. Nah, when I was a kid. I mean, I don't know her from Fayetteville. I was like five, but yeah. yeah um, but I remember like all the stations around the, uh, the station we used to listen to when I lived with my grandparents back in Robinson County. They would always like when they played climax joints. They would shout out Joyce, and they was like, "Shout yeah, out Joyce, Joyce Finnerella, yeah. Irving, Fayetteville." Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah they, she got Finnerella mad love. Yeah. Oh yeah. And then, and then Lorena came in one day from a rehearsal. She was on her way to by word of mouth. Someone said, "Hey, they're looking for a, a lead vocalist." She came in and blew me away, and she okay. got hired. She got hired on the spot, and she became the voice of climax. Is is it always okay? Now I mentioned that you you know you said you fired the bass player. But because it's such I, a rare, it's such a, it's so rare a, to get fire, memories. Fire, fire is such a harsh word. Let's just say it didn't blend in with the concept. Okay. So I, so I fired her. But I, I just <laughs> meant, was there always a concern or a fear that if you let a member go, the amount of work that you got to put in to find someone that really fits a very specific criteria mm -hmm. that will make the band work? Like, is that always a concern? We were young. I was young. I didn't. You didn't think about those kind of things when you're young. But you know, um, oh, I just, sorry. I just, I don't know. I, I wasn't thinking about that. It just the, the concepts. It just wasn't blending in, uh, and I didn't think about it. I just was like, it's not working. And then Mr. Griffey was like, Well, what are we going to do now? You know, and we figured it out. Did you start to develop your own band rules as you got yeah. along? Oh, we had rules. Yes, we had rules. Come on, you Bernadette. Know. Give me. I know you. I want you know, some good one. God, you guys are asking me, to, I got to think way back. I mean, you know, stuff like, you know, you know, X amount of dollars, 50 cents, or $2, $5 if you get the band rehearsal late, you know. You're fine. You know, you That's know, you know, we, this is pre-Joyce because that's another, um, you know, um, the original band, which was Lorena, um, Cheryl Cooley, Lynn Mosby, Robin Grider, and myself, we struggled. Mm -hmm. We were such a unit. We were so dedicated mm -hmm. in the vision and trying to achieve this recording deal. You know, we, we starved. I was kissing the, uh, the, um, the uh, rehearsal studio owner, trying to get more studio time. We were doing whatever we needed to do. To Listen, get wow. these, these okay. lyrics are okay. Here come yes. the lyrics. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> just, a, just a kiss will get you more? All right. You, you know, got what you got. A kiss got his two hours. Ooh. Okay. Hey. Kiss says Bernadette. <laughs> so it's four hours. <laughs> not, not two packs. Damn. And that's some pecs. Talk about somebody smack me. Okay, I get it. <laughs> And those were they, they were really pecs. They were that was too I believe you. Yeah, he was an older, handsome guy, Mr. Cooper. Mr. Oh. Cooper. And um, you know, uh, yeah, I don't know how that evolved. I don't know how that happened. One day he just said, Hey, you know. And I was Damn. like, okay, can we get some studio time? And he was like, <laughs> <laughs> he was like Sometimes you got to use what you what got. 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 Yeah. Two pecs got his four hours. Damn. Okay. All right. Wait, you you mentioned uh, the the legendary uh, President Solar, uh, yes. Dick Griffey. Yes. Uh, can you can you describe? Because I also know that um, those nightclubs, like the Total Experience nightclubs, and all those spots that are on Crenshaw, was rather mm -hmm. legendary for a lot of those developing acts. Could you, yeah, basically describe what? 
like black LA nightlife was mm. as far as like seeing bands and interacting with other bands and just in general. Like I came up in a time, my time period of LA, pretty much the the the, the center of all the action was in West Hollywood on Sunset. Right. Which I was told that was never happening like before like nineteen ninety five where you had to go. So if you're if it is nineteen eighty one, eighty two, where am I going to see like the bands I like and where y'all hanging at? Wow. If um, you're not on Sunset Boulevard. Like are, you, were they open to black people then back then or I'm sitting here trying to search the name of this club that was in Compton. It was a club that Easy and them performed in, and they showed it on their um, movie. movie. Oh, in the beginning. Yeah, I can't remember the name of that club. But, you know, I popped in it here and there. Uh, there wasn't any particular clubs. I think the, the Roxy, every once in a while, you'll get a good deal, uh, a band happening in, like a, in West Hollywood. Let me think. I'm trying to think, where, where did we go? But I were mean, you part of the Total Experience nightclub no. or... Or was no. that like more of a seventy mid seventies thing? It was the seventies and eighties, but I was just kind of like you know into my my thing. I didn't really do a going a lot of going. I which I did go to the Total Experience. I saw okay. you know I saw the Dramatics. Mm. I saw the Dramatics. Oh the wow! Total Experience. Yeah, and then um. How and how then, big is that nightclub? It was it was a nice size, maybe about five hundred people. So established acts was that the House of the Blues? House of the Blues. Yeah. Was that sort of the House of Blues of yes. its day? Yes, it was. Okay, it so was. no act was and, too big or too small. You can see no. Rufus and Shaka Khan did, at the Total yeah. Experience. And then Maverick Flats. Oh, okay. Remember Maverick Flats. Yeah, people used to go there dance. Every once in a while, there would be a band or two. You know, okay. yeah. And then, you know, you, you went to the Forum, and then you went to the, uh, the uh, all the, um, what was it, the San Diego Jazz Festival. That oh, was a, okay. that was the thing I used to enjoy going Ooh. to and seeing. As a young so one, how fancy. how did the deal with Solar uh, Records come to be? How did you get the attention of you Dick know, Griffey? Uh, a we did a um, we did a demo, and the demo was sent to many record labels, and one of the labels was um, uh, Solar okay. Records, and um, the lady there, um, ja- uh, Margaret Nash. Margaret Nash got a hold of the demo, which uh-huh. is Mr. Griffey. She was, um, what's the guy? I can see, I can see clearly now. Oh, Johnny, Johnny Nash. Nash. She was Johnny Nash's ex-wife. Oh, so okay. Oh, okay. She, she, she worked at Solar. So she went to Dick Griffey and said, hey, you got you to gotta hear about these girls. You got to see these girls. You know, you got to check it out. She came down to rehearsals, saw us, went back and told Dick Griffey. Next thing we know, Dick Griffey was walking into rehearsals. I see. He walked and, in and he said, he looked, he saw we were playing, you're a very freaky girl. Da, 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 da. He looked <laughs> at us, he was smiling, he left, and he says, uh, uh, before he left, he says, I'm going to sign you girls for a record deal. That's wow. it. You were fine with that? Like, Solar yeah. seemed like a logical spot for you to. Um, yeah. No one else okay. was asking, you know, and it was the first thing. And that's what our attorney said hey, not the best deal in the world. What other deal do you have? You know, you get in, you make it happen, which is the, the famous Ron Sweeney. You, right. you get in, you make it happen. And Ron Sweeney was your lawyer? Yes, we were his first client. What? Yeah, yeah. Legendary Ron Sweeney. Okay. The legendary Ron Sweeney. 
And um, he said, what else do you have? He said, you get in, you get a hit record, and you they, you make changes when that happens. Hmm. You get to renegotiate then. Yeah. Was, the it easy, advice, was it easy to renegotiate with Dick Griffin? Once we got a hit, yeah. Once you got so, <laughs> Okay. I, I mean, I just... Not not that I'm fishing for stories, but it's just, just like depending on who comes on our show, I have there's stories. various degrees of Dick Griffey stories. And she says she got I, stories just now. <laughs> I, I guess I could say that I'm led to believe that he was sort of like the the proto Suge Knight of his day. No. He no. groomed Suge though. I mean that's Suge, Suge, like, Suge, was. Suge was his bodyguard. That's how I met Suge Knight. Suge used to be Dick Griffey's bodyguard. Oh. And um, no, Mr. You know, listen, I don't know of anyone else's experience, you know, with okay. Mr. Griffey. I, I could just tell you that he was kind to me and he was kind mm-hmm. to us, you know? I mean, did we get this or that? I don't, I'm not quite sure, but he, he, um, he was there. We were at every meeting. We talked about things. We discussed the menopause when we did it. He didn't want to do it at first. You know, right. he said, I'm not doing no song about menopause. And then I have men all pause, men all pause, or men mm-hmm. all The Lord, it gets real complicated. Yes, my mom too thought you guys were singing about menopause. Menopause. Well, well, and... well, so did he. That's what's like. Know? Do you not know what a pun is, people? But Dick, <laughs> okay. So, so did he until we broke it down, and I was right. saying, no, it's the men all pause. When I walked into the room, he started smiling. Next thing you know, the the, the record was on the album. I see. When did the rap? Did the, when did and the it, rap it, come? And the, not the rap, and but it, in the beginning. It, it, and it became our first hit. We didn't even know it because by that time, you know, there was a couple failed albums. We were trying to figure out what we, what we were going to do with the next right. phase of our life. You know, we were told, "I'm going to go back to school." Go ahead. Can I wait? I don't want to glide by this two records because it's two okay. important. Well, one important factor with you guys working with Jimmy and Terry, but yes, what I want to know is, you know. Of of the acts that were on the label between Lakeside and and Midnight Star, Carrie Lucas, mm. The Whispers, and whatnot, they like the common den- the common factor or the common denominator of most of those acts that were hit makers of Solar was the production of Leon Silvers. Yes, and I was shocked. I came aboard on meeting in the ladies' room, and then mm-hmm. eventually I found out that you guys had two other records, and then I went mm-hmm. and brought those. And you know, I saw like Otis Stokes and you know the the cats from yeah. uh, from uh, Lakeside, and I always wanted to know like why didn't you guys work with Leon Silvers, who was clearly giving everyone out you know handing out hits like hotcakes at the time. Leon didn't want to work with us, or uh-huh. and or. Man. It could be because he was so busy, you know, or he didn't really ex- express an interest in working with us, you know. Did, so, did you guys um, ask him? I'm sure some probably, I, I'm not quite sure. I didn't ask him. You know, I don't okay. know if Dick, Dick, I'm sure asked him, you know. Um, I don't think he, you know, I, we passed him every day. We saw him in the studio. He didn't really have express an interest in, wow. in wanting to work with us. So he brought in Otis Stokes, which was like, Working with Otis and them was cool, but it just wasn't the direction that we wanted to go in. We were more independent. We were young girls, but we were like really independent and fun. Otis kind of wanted to put us in a box of, you know, of your typical, I'm, I'm your woman and you're my man. 
and I'll do whatever you want me to do kind of thing. Right. And we were okay. like, no, nah, we don't really, no, I'm not doing that. I'm not going to do that. So, you know, it, it took us a while. It didn't take us, it took us, we had to get with Jimmy and Terry to find a voice. That's okay. when we found our voice. They encouraged that. So can you describe what um working with Jimmy and Terry, you know, and like for, for the second album, the, the girls will be girls record. Some really like great songs on there that just never really got the push. And I'm kind of uh, glad. I'm glad, kind of glad because it wasn't us. You still, know? yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, well, you know, up until Jimmy, you know about Jimmy and Terry. Yes. Yeah. No, they came in with. Um, they didn't do girls were good. That was that was Otis Stokes. Well, I meant the album. I know that they they wrote Wild Girls, right? Wild Girls, yeah. Jimmy and Terry, yeah. Okay, that's when they came in. Right. And um, they came in, they were sneaking away from friends during this right. time. <laughs> and they were like, you know, it was all, they were doing, doing some, we were the first band that I think they worked with, either us or the SOS band. I really don't remember. You guys but, were technically first. Yeah. Yeah. Well, but mine we is Ice-T. We, we were in the room when Prince called and fired them. We found out they were working with us. He called right. them up and they came out the room. They said, we just got fired. Well, oops, I guess we can start our new career now, you know. Right. But <laughs> That's how Jimmy tells it, too. That's funny. Yes, yes. And uh, no, hey, it was wonderful. It was like a breath of fresh air. Because here are these guys who praised mistakes. Okay. No, no, we're going to keep that. It's a mistake. We're going to keep it. You know, and and I was the one who was always writing songs. And they fell in love with all my songs. They were like, let's do Bernadette Cooper's songs. You know, telling Dick, you should be doing these songs. These are the songs you should be doing. Because all of the, I know I'm looking good. That's the way we used to talk on a daily basis. I walk into the studio. I know I'm looking good, you know? And mm-hmm. um, they wanted to put all of that onto tape. And they, that's what they started doing. They were taking a lot of my songs and putting them on, on the tape and encouraging us to write the things that we really feel and we really love. Mm-hmm. So that's what they did. That's good. So when we got introduced to y'all, we was getting introduced to y'all for real. Everybody else who thought they knew y'all. Mm. When when that record came out, we're meeting in the ladies' room, the men all paused. I mean, because we, we kind of went to school with Wild Girls. That was, mm-hmm. them. I mean, that was um, uh, um, LA, um, Jimmy, Jimmy and Terry. Terry Lewis. That was them kind of experimenting with us, trying to help us find our sound. Mm-hmm. And um, they got it. It just didn't hit. That's all, right. you know. But by the time they moved on and Dick was, he was, he was available. His ears were available at that time to listen to the things that we really had because Ellie, um, Jimmy, I keep saying Ellie and everything. Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis encouraged him to open his ears and listen to the tracks that I was writing and the other girls were writing and he was open to it. So we were giving him, he just kind of gave us free reign. You guys go do this album yourself by that time. Okay, so I feel silly because as much traveling as I do and as many Airbnbs that I stay in, because that's the only way I travel, I really have never considered my own space. I mean, think about it. What if you can make money for your next vacation while you're on vacation? And I know what you're thinking. You're like, my house is just not fancy enough. I just can't do the things. You're sleeping on your space. I'm sleeping on my space. Yes, I'm talking to myself. And I really don't even have to use my whole place. I could just Airbnb a room. I know how this works. Because again, I use Airbnb. Duh. I mean, just think about it. Most of us that use Airbnb are only using it for 50% of its power. We're spending the money 
but we're not making the money. What if we could do both? Whoa, mind-blowing. And your home really might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hi, it's Sugar Steve from Questlove Supreme. If debit is your go-to card, Discover thinks it's time you get rewarded too. So check out Discover Cashback Debit, a game-changing checking account with cash back on everyday debit card purchases. That's right. Cashback isn't just for credit cards anymore. Whether it's a movie date, flea market find, or midday latte, you can start earning cash back. And did I mention there are no fees, period? Check out transaction eligibility and terms at discover.com slash cashbackdebit. Discover Bank, member FDIC. Did you know that most salads travel over 2,000 miles to reach your plate, but not with 80 Acres Farms? Their crisp salad greens and herbs are food less traveled going from farm to store in days, not weeks. They stay fresher for longer in your fridge. My salad lasts all week long, which means less food waste and easy meal planning. Oh, and did I mention there's no need to wash these greens? Because 80 Acres Farms uses zero pesticides. Visit 80acresfarms.com to learn more and find their salads and salad kits at your local Harris Teeter. Were you there for the infamous, uh, Jam tells a story about the, um, I asked about a, a a certain engineer that they had to fire Ugh. because of them destroying the the Heartbreaker uh, song. They, they, it was like a punch in during the mix down. Uh, the engineer had uh, erased like one of the "I'm such a mess" thing, and then they just fell down a rabbit hole of trying to fix the edit that was previously erased. No, I don't remember that. We, oh, okay, you yeah. you never knew that story. I wrote the song and I was there, but I don't remember that story. Oh, okay. Yeah. Basically, like one of the I'm such a mess lines got uh, heartbreak. I'm such a mess uh, uh, on the Heartbreaker song. Okay. The the engineer was trying to punch in, make an edit and accidentally erase some of the background. I don't remember that. Yeah. And yeah, Jam, I, I was asking about like, a time when things went awry and he just talked about accidentally erasing like some of the background vocals on heartbreaker and them trying to fix it. And, That's a possibility. And, That's a yeah. Possibility. Well, they fired the engineer and I okay. guess they kept that from you guys. So now, yeah. you know, now I know. Uh, 40 years later, <laughs> sorry, <laughs> but, um, with, with meeting in the ladies room for, well, first of all, just as the band dynamics, one, how did you whittle it down to the six members that we got to know on meeting in the ladies' room? Through, you know, um, being in the band, you have the girls, and certain things happen. I think they were, it went down from, it was eight, and then it went down to six, and that's the group that you know now. There were two other right. members. I can't remember why they left the group or why they weren't involved in the group anymore, but it was a decision that was made. And then we we were left with the six core members of the group, and I think that was the reason for our success. Do I think it would have been successful with those other two members or any other members? No. I think it was these are the ones we were meant to be. So to move did, forward. did you, so do you remember the rules from that point that kept y'all together, that kept you from having like petty arguments, that kept y'all from some of the things that other groups. Or how were decisions made? Yeah. Well, you yeah. know, it, well, you know, it became that group thing where, you know, the vote, the whole okay. group vote, which, you know, which was very stifling, you know, to me at points 
you know, but because it's your group. Um, not so well, I just had more forward ideas. And I sometimes, you know, when you have an idea and you see things and people don't don't see it, then you got uh, everybody kind of raising their hand. And that's very stifling for a creative person, you know. Mm. So it was a majority rules. That's interesting is you had the same hand as everybody else, because even I mean, I even think I guess that in the roots, like a, an Amir hand and a Tariq hand is different than other hands. Right. Like, but, but, but was it? I'm, but it, that's what I'm asking. Was it a real democracy or was it like the idea of a democracy? It, it, it was. OK, let's say this. It was all good. And then when Joyce came in the group, a little bit of a power struggle started because for whatever reason, she, you know, she came from a military base and she, you know, so that's when things kind of started changing from mm-hmm. the the, uh, the 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 group that we had that was all for one, one for all. Things started like everything became a vote because the um, <clears throat> the vision, the vision had gotten interruption. I interrupted. It's a very nice okay. statement. Very polite. That's very very good. Very so good. Yeah. <laughs> was would you say that Joyce was sort of the because she was the last member to join, kind of the outsider <clears throat> in a situation where there was already an established rapport with the, the five of you? Yes, and she definitely had her own way of seeing things, you know, which is not bad. Mm-hmm. In her own but, opinions and yeah. stuff. Yeah. Because it's her and voice. Was, right. And I was always, you know, you know, one for all. We hadn't even got to a point of an ego yet. You know, right. um, we were, we were, I was about, hey, whatever's good for the group. You know, that's how I lost control of the name. Because, you know, Joyce came and said, like, um, I think we should all be a part of the name of the group. And I was like, sure, no problem. I wasn't, you know, I, I wasn't right. savvy. I wasn't savvy. Yeah. And uh, I was just kind of like, we're the band, we're going to be together, we're going to make things work. And that's why the name is so out of control. You know, right now, I wish I would have known better and had trademarked it, you know. So could you tell me how your personal life changed? Let's 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 say two, let's say three months after Men All Pause comes out. Oh, my goodness. Where you guys where the songs on the radio killing it and you're on you know the videos being played everywhere and because yeah. i don't even know where men on pause cross with meeting in the ladies room they kind of just they listen just... listen we were preparing to go back to school lorena you know she's always wanted to be married everybody was planning their life because we it, mr griffin you know he stuck with us through all, all right. those failed albums we were all in the car following each other i don't know where we were going but i think there were two cars one two or maybe we were all in the same car menopause came on over the christmas holidays you know how everybody goes on break during the christmas holidays yeah you know, okay after that christmas holiday menopause the menopause was ahead and the record company says you guys got a hit record djs were playing it. they were going crazy and that's when our lives went went up things changed drastically that's the first that. video that was the first video. I mean, we did the menopause first video. Then after right. the menopause came meeting in the ladies' room. Right. And with with um, God, um, Lil Silas came into the studio and with Tave Moat, and mm. we remixed the lead. And that's when I added the, you know, I had to leave my condo to come to this. You know, that's when I added that. Oh, you added more. Yeah, right. yeah. And we did. That was the remix version that became the big hit. Even though it was a little bit. I mean, I was oh, 12, 13. And again, like there weren't many in-depth interviews with you guys back then. 
I'm certain that there had to been comparisons like, oh, you, you guys are like a female time and oh. you're kind of like a Mars State. Was oh. that bothersome oh. to you or? Not at all. Jimmy and Terry used to always call me. They used to compare me because my personality was such like a Morris. Hmm. Okay. They used to call me Bernadette. You know, oh, burn a day. <laughs> yeah, burn a okay. day. And they wanted to write things where by character, because I didn't really know much about the time. You know, they were just doing first time I heard seven seven ninety three eleven in the studio. Um, you know, and I didn't really know much, so I couldn't really pattern myself after him. But after after seeing his character and how much we favored in so many ways, it was like mm. that's what the answer. Of uh, when gigolos need love too, I wrote divas need love. Divas too. need yes. love. Yes. Oh. oh my gosh. Yeah. Nice. I didn't even know gigolos, but I knew divas. Yeah. Right. <laughs> divas came from an answer. That was like an answer. You know, I'm in the process right now. I'm working on the song, hoping to get Morris on it. I just, I just think that would be oh, man. such a oh. great concept. And you can please. He and I have talked. To, please call him and tell him. He and I have talked about it. I've sent him tracks, and he's like, nah. Okay. I called him up, Morris. Morris. So I have this track that I'm working on right now that I'm going to send to him because I just think it's beyond, beyond. It's beyond just a song. It's about being entertained and how the public would love that. Yeah. A personality from a girl band and the girl band and the time. Yes. That's great. We're opening up the Grammys with that. Miss, uh, I want to ask what you say you're working on tracks. What uh, equipment and like uh, software are you using now to work on your music? You know, I'm Pro Tools. I'm Pro Tools. You're Pro Tools, and, okay. And um, I write on the MPCX. Hey, okay. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I'm an MPC 60, MPC, you know, I, I, uh, 2000, 2000X. I know the MPC. So I grabbed the wow. MPCX because there's so much you can do with it. And I can travel right. with it. You can do vocals on it and all that, even though I haven't even used half of it. So I write a lot of my tracks, which I don't really like to write tracks that much anymore because I'm lazy and you know, I'm always questioning if it's the right snare or if it's going to sound right. So mm-hmm. I focus um, more now on lyrics and melodies and, and content and vibe. You know, I just did something with Osa Latte. Oh, um, wow. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Called Believe in Us. I dropped it off, dropped it in on the UK. And I'm okay. focusing on that. So I'm taking a lot of tracks from people that I know or old things that I have. But right now, Actually, the track that I'm working on is an old Salati track, but I rearranged it, you know, so that it would fit me and Morris. So I'm working on concept now. I just think that would be such an entertaining thing. It's going to happen. I love old Salati, man. That's so dope y'all working together. Yeah, we work together. Me and old Salati are cool. Nice. Can you tell us? Oh, oh, go ahead. Sorry. I just thought about something. Mm -hmm. What? Why did you guys pivot to Constellation MCA? Like, were you still technically under the umbrella of Solar or like, was, or did you officially leave Solar to go to Lou Silas and MCA? Like, was... No, Solar Records did a distribution deal with them. Okay, it, I never knew the story yeah, of... Yeah, Solar, we were on Solar and Solar did the change. We didn't make the change. We kind of got over there because Solar, you know, once the success of meeting in the ladies room and Climax became this big... Oh, my God. After I Miss You, it was over. Lynn Walsby wrote that, yeah. by the way. Mm-hmm. You know, that's the biggest climax song ever. Um, right. Yeah, that was, that's a big, that's a huge, that's on music, baby. Okay. Um, <laughs> go to, yeah. So she, um, you know, they wanted us. So um, they did a deal, you know, and we went over to uh, Constellation. Constellation was his deal that he made 
via, I guess, a distribution. Oh, okay. Yeah. We I didn't know that. Them. So he owned that label yeah, as well. Okay. He owned that. I see. Yes. Yes. I, I was just going to ask, you dropped two names that I wanted to know when you circled back and finally met them, what was it like? And that was uh, Morris Day and Patrice Russian. Uh, Patrice was just a high and by, and I admire you. It wasn't a deep conversation like Tina. Me and Tina, we were really Oh, cool. okay, I but, need that. Um, yes, a lot of stories. So more, sometimes you have to bear with me because I got to think, I got to remember. That's okay, take, so um, take your time. We're, we're patient. But, but Morris Day, you know, I, I see Morris Day. We do, we do a lot of touring together. I see him in and out. And the last time I saw him, he, he, we, were in, I, we were in Florida. And I went up to him, I said, we got to do a song together, Morris. I said, we got to do it for the people. That would be yeah. such an interesting because I'm cool. Send me tracks. Yeah. All right. So I sent him a couple of tracks. He was like, nah, you know, but this one's really hot. And even if it's not this one, somebody got to give us a track. And we got to do a thing together because that could be such a great entertainment. Y'all can just headline thing. a live show. Jerry Lewis have to do this. Yeah, they do. I was going to say that. And there, yeah. there, there must be a four-minute yeah. monologue at the end with you two trying to out, <laughs> out talk each other. You know what? That's, that's the song that I'm writing. So, you know, we'll see how it comes out. I'm going to have to reach out to um, Jam and Lewis and, and let them kind of hear this. And maybe somehow, if it's not this, let, they can come up with something. We got to do let something. Let us manifest this. Yeah, yes, it's I'm happening. This. It's happening. I'm going to leave it up to you, Quest, to make that happen. You're no, it, it, the people want it. I yes. want that. I definitely yes. want that. Yes, that would be so. And I envision it. I envision it with the girl band and the, on one stage and time when we battle it. Wouldn't that be hot? Y'all? Yes. yes. And, and yeah. <laughs> Bernadette, uh, for for a couple of pecs, I'll mix it for you for free. Okay. You know what? You know, you know what? You know what? Don't try me. I come out to LA once in a while. <laughs> hey man, give me some sugar, Steve. <laughs> Steve, Steve is a legendary engineer. Yes, yes. okay. She knows. Right. She, I gave him the intro. All right. <laughs> shit, I, I'll drum on that shit. I, yes. I want to see that happen. For a couple yes. packs. Yeah. yeah. I'll yeah, do it for free. I'll hey, do it just for the cult. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. I, I, I really believe that in my heart, and uh, by being a so-called um or a visionary, I can kind of see around corners sometimes. I just mm-hmm. think I have always felt that's a very strong concept. Yeah. And the people would be like, oh my God. You know, it would be great for our, for the uh, our demographics as well as the new generation. Right. So I'm curious to know, with the success of where the Climax record was, mm-hmm. um, or the meeting in the ladies' room, what was your family's reaction to it? Was it sort of like, okay, you made it, good you job? Know, you know what, Quest? Um, I don't really have a happy story to tell you regarding that. I, I didn't really have a lot of family. Oh, I, I know it could fall either way. Yeah, you know. I, didn't, I didn't have a really good family motivation. I'm very self-motivated. And that's kind okay. of the beauty. Uh, one of the beauties of my success is I'm very self-motivated. I really didn't have my family behind me. Mm. Yeah, because I also wonder, once you found your voice and it, people realize it was so strong and maybe mm-hmm. anti with a lot of these other female singers or groups are singing because somebody else, you know, writing it, whatever. Mm-hmm. When was, how long did it take for somebody to now tell you to shut up? You know, I don't know. It's just, it's kind of like, I, I just move forward and I don't really mm-hmm. listen to any noise. Right. So you really persevered throughout all this. What I'm saying, like no family support and a strong female, you know, whole yeah. mission and, Lyrics, you know, you know, in the beginning, God, I got some stories. I remember when Dick Griffey sent me out to um, 
there was a woman by the name of Kat Miller. I did my first song called Beat My Face. The Dick Griffey is like, here's $2,500. Go on and I'm, uh, I got this girl named Kat Miller. And I think you'll be really, really good with uh, producing her, you know. Uh, and she's out in Tennessee. So I want you to go to Tennessee and work on her song. So get the song, went to Tennessee and the engineer laughed. He would refuse to work with me while I was what? there. When I first walked in the door, but, but, when, but when I left, we became best friends. Hmm. I think what was that based on? I think, I think when people see the talent, you know, it's kind of like you can't, you can't deny the talent, yeah. you know, you, you can't, you know, and it's kind of like the passion and the talent and I know what I'm doing and um, I enjoy what I do. So I think once you get a hold of that, by the end of the session, we were cool. He respected me. He didn't have a, you know, he, I would tell him what to do. He didn't want to do it at first, but by the end of the session, he was doing it um, proudly. We, you know, so that's because he expected that, you to be probably in the booth, not at the board. Yeah, exactly. So that's mm-hmm. the moral. That's that's the way my life has gone. You know, dealing with um male males um in the studio, whatever. I think when they see the talent, they become we become everything becomes really really cool, and they're appreciative to be in my space, and I and I enjoy being in their space. Wow. So you're saying that them offering their two cents of what they think it should be and eat. <clears throat> getting unsolicited advice where it's not even asked for. Listen, I have a clear vision, a clear right. vision of what I'm doing. If I wrote okay. it, I know the way it sounds. Now, my thing has always been, is your vision or if you come up with something that's better than mine, I'm receptive to it. But if it's not, you know, I don't really like to compromise. That was one of the reasons why I, it was difficult for me to be in, con- in climax because I just felt stifled because I'm, the comp- compromising is very difficult for a person who um who is creative. Right. You know? Yeah. I I just thought about something. Uh I did read once. Was Penny Ford in the original? No, Penny Ford took Lorena, Lorena, Lorena was with child. Okay. She got pregnant. Okay. And um we needed someone to take her place because we were going on the road. And during that time, I did not believe, um, as the leader of Climax, that that was a positive image for girls that time at that time mm. in the eighties, okay, mm. in the nineties. Uh, now, now women are doing it, but I just, you know, we, that wasn't a, that just it wasn't. Just, you never saw yeah. that tradition, following that. tradition. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. and it was. It didn't seem like we had little young girls, you know, who were following us. So, you know, um, you know, she right, right, rightfully so. She was married, or she, you know. But I, so Penny was working for Ron Sweeney as his secretary, okay. as his secretary. And Ron Sweeney was like, you guys really need to take Penny Ford. She can sing. So Penny Ford came in and she blew the house down and she went on the road with us. I love Penny. Ah, okay. Yeah, we, yeah, we talk all the time. Yeah, I, I, you know, she's, uh, for those that don't know, Penny um, is probably best known as the, the voice of uh snap i got yes. the power oh, yes. oh yeah 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 and um oh, she's... Un- amongst the other things that she, you know she's been sort of ghost singing on a, oh, a Shaka lot of mentioned uh, her too right like she wanted shaka babies she was well yeah the, i think the story was that uh shaka khan was actually supposed to do that, yeah. i got the power and kind of she admitted that she dropped the ball <laughs> just Listen. old penny go I, I, just, I just did it. I just dropped another UK track and with Penny Ford all over it. I love Penny. Penny is 
there's not many vocalists who can sing like Penny Ford. Mm-hmm. Penny Ford, it it cuts, it cuts, you know. And I always Absolutely. say with these with these female singers, it's not about what you're capable of doing; it's how you make me feel, you know. Mm-hmm. And and like Aretha made you feel, you would pull over to the side of the road, or I got to find me an angel, and you would cry, right? I'm sure right. you've had that experience, right? Well, you she made you feel. These singers nowadays, they can sing, and the apparatus is good, but it's about what makes you feel good. And Penny Ford That's has true. that. Penny well, has emotion. That. Okay, so I feel silly because as much traveling as I do and as many Airbnbs that I stay in, because that's the only way I travel, I really have never considered my own space. I mean, think about it. What if you can make money for your next vacation while you're on vacation? And I know what you're thinking. You're like, my house is just not fancy enough. I just can't do the things. You're sleeping on your space. I'm sleeping on my space. Yes, I'm talking to myself. And I really don't even have to use my whole place. I could just Airbnb a room. I know how this works. Because again, I use Airbnb. Duh. I mean, just think about it. Most of us that use Airbnb are only using it for 50% of its power. We're spending the money, but we're not making the money. What if we could do both? Whoa. Mind-blowing. And your home really might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hi, it's Sugar Steve from Questlove Supreme. If debit is your go-to card, Discover thinks it's time you get rewarded too. So check out Discover Cashback Debit, a game-changing checking account with cash back on everyday debit card purchases. That's right. Cashback isn't just for credit cards anymore. Whether it's a movie date, flea market find, or midday latte, you can start earning cash back. And did I mention there are no fees, period? Check out transaction eligibility and terms at discover.com slash cashbackdebit. Discover Bank, member FDIC. Did you know that most salads travel over 2,000 miles to reach your plate, but not with 80 Acres Farms? Their crisp salad greens and herbs are food less traveled. Going from farm to store in days, not weeks. They stay fresher for longer in your fridge. My salad lasts all week long, which means less food waste and easy meal planning. Oh, and did I mention there's no need to wash these greens? Because 80 Acres Farms uses zero pesticides. Visit 80acresfarms.com to learn more and find their salads and salad kits at your local Harris Teeter. There's, there's a question I always wanted to know the answer to. Uh, for the next album, uh, the self-titled record, the Climax album. Um, did you guys work with Rod Temperton or did he just submit the uh, Man Size Love song? No, we worked with him. Please it, tell me what it was like working with Rod Temperton. You know, um, Carol Bear, Sager, I remember it was all, after I after that the album, everybody was coming, you know. We were going up and smoking a joint with Carol Bear, Sager and, you know, right. and all of them. And um, Rod Temperature had Man Size Love, which should have been a huge hit. That should yeah. have been the biggest pop hit, right? And right. he he had us come in because he wanted to audition who was going to be the lead vocalist on it. And um, of course, I'm not, a, I don't consider myself a I was just there, okay? Right. But um, Joyce, he didn't want Joyce. Joyce is what? Voice. No, he wanted Lorena. That's so, ironic he, considering that Joyce's voice. Joyce's voice is very um, um, specialized. It's mm. very Michael Jackson-ish. Mm-hmm. Michael right. Jackson wouldn't have been able to sing Man Size Love. Right. I need a man. You know, you needed a man-sized voice. 
Okay. So that was that was a difference between I had my that's that's what made climax incredible. And, and another thing that made climax incredible is we all knew our space. We know I knew what I brought, but, you know, and mm-hmm. uh, Joyce knew what she brought to the you know, and Lorena knew what she brought. So it was like we just really step on each other's toes. We were like, okay, you come in here with your voice. It was really a cool thing in the beginning. And Rod Templeton heard Lorena, and he's like. I want that big voice on it. So he chose, he chose uh, Lorena. Was that initially on the running scared soundtrack? Yes. Yes. Okay. So, and also, uh, I mean, you, you worked with, uh, Dick, um, Dick Griffey. No, Richard Rudolph. Uh, he, he wrote man size love with Rod Temperton. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't didn't see him. I I met him later at Tina Marie's house, but I didn't see him there at the session. I was going to say, when you became established, mm-hmm. did you did you have a click like who in the industry was like your did you have running buddies? Were you cool with like who are your best friends? Like who did you vibe with that were artists? Tina. Let me see. Uh, I would love to say Bette Midler, but that wouldn't be true. Um, you worked yeah. with her, though, right? Yeah, I yeah, was going to say yeah. that. Yeah, on one song. Yeah. Okay. Um, but you know, we weren't. You know, she just loved the song and she did it. Um, okay. Let me see. Who did I hang out with a lot? Uh, it was Tina Marie, mainly Tina, mainly Tina. But I didn't really have a lot of friends. Please Tina tell us some really Tina. Friends. Please tell us because she has been gone for so long that please just tell people something about Listen, Tina. And I don't know how we became. You know, t- Tina had a lot of people around her all the time. Right. You know, she was a people person. So our times together were very kind of solemn. It was her and I. She'd come over to the house. We'd smoke a joint. And we'd talk about life. She was so deep. Tina was no joke. Okay? And we would right. talk about her, her her past, her life, and the things she was going through and relationships and all of those things like that. And then one day she called me up. Hey, come down to the studio. I want you to be on this record. Okay. I'll be down in, in an hour. Okay? And then I call her back. Hey. I got this song, come down. Uh, I want you to be on this record. Now when I call somebody and go, I want you to be on a record, well, um, it's $10,000, you know? Yeah, my people call your people, right? (laughs) (laughs) My my people call your people. Right, right. You know, um, spur of the moment, hey, let's go to Chicago. Okay. You know, by those days, you can go buy your ticket at the counter. Yeah. Right? And uh, San Francisco, let's go hang out. You know, it's not a really a, not a bad story. It's just really wonderful memories. Oh, I don't want any bad stories. I wanted you know, to great no, memories or things that we didn't yeah, know about her we that just were great. You know, yeah, because I she mean, passed away I'm, so early, we never just got to know her. I mean, as she a, was just, she was just, you know, Tina became my friend before I really went to any concerts of hers. When I went to go to a concert, I know you. Were. I was blown away <laughs> that this girl was my friend. All right. I was wow. sitting out in the audience and I, she got up and played guitar. She came out and the people, I didn't realize how massive Tina Marie was. And then afterwards I said, wow, you're really something special, right? And we laughed about it. And um, it was, it's all good. It was, there's no really bad stories for me. It's, and got, Tina. it's gotta be something made about her life. Like she cannot be forgotten. It's just very interesting. Uh, you know, I, I can't really share a lot of things, you know, because she's, you know, yeah, I, I can't, you know, but, all wonderful memories. I can't really think of anything that stands cool. out that that I should speak about. I know. I know. Around this time, um, you started 
doing like production work on your own mm-hmm. uh, for other acts. And I got to know, like your the history of you forming Madam X. Oh, my God. Of which, no, I'm telling you, I loved, I've re- I was like, ah, not, not like, why did you give the song away? But just that type of girl to me oh. could have been just such a killer, killer, killer climax song. I didn't write it. Like, why I did was... you give that song away? Oh, you didn't write that? No, I didn't write it until I was, you know, I had moved forward. Okay. You know, um, so it wasn't wow. like you had that song under your hat before. No, no that was a last minute song that was written <sighs> by, you know, I was, um, I was working on the album. I had created the concept in my mind. First of all, let's talk about the beginning of these three girls. I still have right. a concept right now. I just don't understand why we don't have a three girl group right now. I don't get it. Or you any know, group. Or any group. Or any group. group. Right. Band. Why is there only guys? <laughs> What's a band? Like, What's a group? Where's the band? Where's the two guys and one girl rap group? Where's the female <laughs> me- the female Migos? I don't get it. I'm not grabbing onto yeah. why 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 the We had a climax. Are, That's a climax. So what you talking about? Right, right. Exactly. <laughs> Real. You know, um right. you know, I, I came up with this concept of the girls and um I didn't even have the group yet. And I met with Sylvia Rohn. Sylvia Rohn was interested in the concept. So she came out to, out to LA and she met with me. I told her about the concept. I want to do this in the way I want them to look. And this is how I want them to do. She says, great, I'm going to sign it. The concept. I said, okay. So we did the deal with Ron Sweeney. And um, the legendary he's the Ron best Sweeney. negotiator ever. I learned mm-hmm. a lot from Ron. You know, and um, uh, um then I started formulating the group. I got the three girls who were who came to be Madame X, started working on the project, and I needed this last song. Okay, I need okay, it's just I, I'm listening to the album. I just don't hear, I don't hear a clear big single. And Cornelius right. Mims, bass player. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, Cornelius hit me up. I got this track, baby. I'm gonna come on over and I'm gonna, you know, I got this thing, baby. I think you go dig it. So I'm like, okay, come on over. I'm at the studio. I'm at Studio Masters. He came by. He played this. He played this track, which was actually a back. It went. He was working on a song, and the song went backwards. What? Okay. Yeah. He was working on the track, and something technically happened, and the song started playing backwards. That's the track. That's just that type of girl. Steve's going to talk. Yeah. Steve, Shout out I told you. Has, yeah. <laughs> Mistakes. Okay. Okay. I love Some of the this. best mistakes. Yeah. Shout out to bad engineers, man, all over the world. <laughs> <laughs> On all my songs, mistakes. I, I, I don't do, I don't do the perfection thing all the time. You know, if it right. feels good, it's staying. You know, but um, so he brought me this backwards track, and he says, "Baby, um, you know, it was a mistake. It went backwards." And that, I'm like, "I love it. I love it." So I took it. I said, "Leave me a track," and I took it and I wrote the lyrics. I, I got to tell you, like, it's, I mean, for, for 1987, it was a very unusual sounding song. Very shocked that it hasn't been sampled or I, I still DJ, I still play it to this day on my DJ sets. And I'll say that at least 30 to 40% of the time, someone will think that I'm playing something like new Mm-hmm. Like it just it doesn't it didn't sound like 
anything that was in the marketplace at the time. How come that project was short lived? Like, did you manage the the band as well, or you know, you know, everybody's equal in poverty, and that that statement comes from Mister Dick Griffey himself, who I right. had a chance to visit right the day before he passed away, and I was able to thank him for my career. Uh-huh. Okay, yeah. and um, everybody started pulling at these girls when I when I created, uh, you know. And a certain manager, I don't want to say any names, but a manager came in who I really was told not to work with. And the next thing I know, the girls had went behind my back and signed with this manager. And Sylvia was not happy with it. And there was a clash. All right. And things got really out of control and things got crazy. And that's what happened to Madame X, pretty much. And they they didn't want to, you know. And I'm going to tell you something. A lot of women don't like to do business with other women. A lot of women don't want other women telling them what to do. They would right. rather a man tell them the wrong way than a woman to, to tell them the right way. And, now and call that trauma, generational yes, trauma. Yeah, generational <laughs> trauma. And, and I, get, I, I even get that to this day. Women don't want other women in control of them, you know? And, and, and they want this, a man. What they want in a the man. fuck up? Right, 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 right. They want a man. to. So it became this thing where... They, you know, the guys were pulling them and then, you know, I'm going to give you a solo deal. And I just said, go, I'll put another group together. And, you know, it, it became a big, it became a very big misunderstanding and a horrible thing. And uh, the manager who pulled them away, um, Sylvia wasn't happy, so happy, happy with it. So it was a, it was a horrible thing. So I tried to go forward with one right. of the other members who, who now is passed away, but passed away from cancer. Which, which one passed away? That was um oh god um there was Dick Dicky there was um um Iris and there was um uh, Alisa Alisa Alisa, Alisa. Mm-hmm. yeah the she, one that did the ad lib man yeah yeah, yeah 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 ah, <laughs> see, see once again once again I I love the beauty of finding your strength your strength your strength together we got a band because everybody can't do the same thing yeah. so we had we had Valerie who was that. Uh, you know, that Grace Jones kind of vibe. Yeah. And, you know, man, 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 you know, then we yeah. had Iris who had a more jazzier vibe. Then we had Elisa who had, right. the, who could sing, sing, say, sing, right. sing. Same, you same. know, yeah, so sing, sing, sing. So um, I, I tried to do a project with Elisa, but it did, the vibe was all gone now. But that's what happened to Madame X. That's the problem. There was no, that's it. That was it. That's what happened. What was producing other acts like, a pleasurable experience for you, like working with Cheryl Lynn and oh, Shalomar. <laughs> Yo, <laughs> hey, you know, I look, look, I'm gonna tell you, you know, I'm not I, even gonna fall down that rabbit <laughs> hole, but this is not the first time I've heard that sort of response. <laughs> you know, every, everything has their stories, you know, and I have, I, you know, with Cheryl Lynn, I enjoy Cheryl Lynn. Cheryl Lynn had a manager who just for whatever reason didn't really take to me. So I just remember and Jerry, Jerry was the engineer. That's where I first met Jerry Brown. Jerry Brown. He, he was with Cheryl Lynn and he says, I'm working with you. And then, you know, Pebbles told him he was working with Pebbles and Pebbles said, either Bernadette or me. He says, Bernadette. So Jerry and I have been together ever since, you know? Wow. But that's okay. where I met. So Cheryl Lynn, you got, you know, every, every story has a little thing that comes along. I, I've with heard it. the stories. You know, me, like Nia people. I did Nia Peoples. I did oh, okay. her when she was dating Howard Hewitt. Right. 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 
And I was doing this song called The Entity of Sex that I wrote, which was, Damn, a big, which was a big, which is a big voice record, you know, and, I, and once again, I have specifics of how I wanted that song to be, you know, performed. And she had her ideas. So she didn't really have a big voice, though. Did she? I can't remember. I don't think yeah. she did. You know what? If you listen to the song, she did a, we did a heck of a job. But okay. That Thank was you for after that. She cried and, you know, Howard Hewitt came in telling me, well, I didn't know what I was doing. And, but, you know, and, you know, but I got the best out of her. You know, so every, every, there's been a lot of situations. Once again, the man. Mm. So you're, are you, you do, are you demanding I, when it comes to your, your art and the, the people that you work with? Yes. Yes. Okay. I can respect that. They're demanding in the sense of I already see when you write the song, you have a clear vision, right? You, right. You, you know how the melody goes. You know how it should be. You know what it should sound like from that perspective. I'm not mean or difficult. You know, I'm just demanding on trying to get the best out of you. I'm just curious if you talk to, I mean, it's only a few, I don't want to say it's a few of your peers. It's a, it's a lot of women behind the scenes making music throughout the years. However, have there been some peers that you've, you've spoken to and had like these similar experiences? Cause I'm listening to you and I'm thinking, I wonder how Missy, you know, mm-hmm. yeah, Missy Elliott. Yeah. yeah like and from her beginnings and earning her respect and then getting, getting, telling other women and other men what to do. You know, Missy, Missy was probably, she came up in that hip hop world and she was, um, who was her person who was, was it Diddy? Who was back Tim, who was, Timberland. Timberland. Yeah. Timberland. So when you have, when you got Timberland behind you, ain't much, you know, but I was alone. You was by yourself. You know? Yeah, I was by myself. So when Timberland right. said, hey, this is Missy, she's going to tell you what to do. I guess yeah, who are your peers in that way then, Bernadette? Like who are the, the other sisters that have been through the, the same thing? I don't know. I don't know. You know what? I got a story when I was forming Climax. I asked Sheila E to be in it. Okay. Wow. She said only if it's Sheila E and Climax. Well, I mean, y'all both drummers. <laughs> well, but you know, she wanted to be. But she, she wanted billing. Yeah. yeah. Which you know what? You and know what? She she's bad. Yeah. Okay. I give my props to Sheila. Hell okay? yeah. Yeah, but that's just a story. Nothing bad about right. it. Yeah, yeah, no, no. It don't have to be bad. Right, right. <laughs> you know, you okay. guys want you guys want dirt. I don't, so, you know, we I just want the good stuff. We don't want. We want the good stuff. No, no, I, I got a lot of stories, but I, I'm just so like I'm protective of That's a lot fine. of people, and I don't want to say too much. But there, are, there's a million stories. All right, so I kind of save this not for last, but because I never knew. Even though I know that that VH1 thing was on the air, I didn't see exactly what went down oh, bands but reminded. i do not know have you guys how read the, climax the imploded do you guys do you guys have you anybody read that recent billboard article that just came no. out about okay. you about y'all what was it about anybody right now if you want to google it billboard and climax you'll see what just happened it just um, came out well so it's probably last month okay two months ago um did, did you hear about climax being inducted into a woman's house um Songwriting House of Hall of Fame. Sounds familiar. Uh-huh. Okay, we heard okay. about it. We heard about it too when it was um, and then I'll get back to the VH1 thing. But wait a minute, let okay. me start at the VH1 thing because it's a prelude to this. Okay, um, during well, this particular time, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, no, I just I want to know what, what the straw that was that broke the camel's back that led to the breakup of the group, or for you to leave because I know the group went on without you. Like good love and whatever the other 
songs were, but you know, what was it like was, to leave the band that you started? There was power struggles, and when you, it's very difficult for individuals to say, and this would be a better place if we were able to do this. I'm jealous of the fact that I put in equal amount of work as you. All right. I've been in this band at the same time as you, but all people want to do is focus on Bernadette Cooper. That's very, very, I'm jealous. I'm angry about it. And I'm mad as hell. Okay. At that point, we could talk about it and we can get through it. But what happens with people is they start to nitpick and they start to get in groups and go against you and all of those kind of things like that, Um, which Mm -hmm. makes me being from a family of women who, who, who have attacked me when I'm in a corner, I come out fighting for survival. So I kind of felt like the, there was nothing big, major blow up or fight other than the fact is I got frustrated with having to compromise my creativity for people who really didn't want me to be uh, successful or wanted me to move forward in life past them. So right. I made a decision after being, I would say, at sometimes bullied or feeling bullied, that I didn't no longer want to be in this situation. And it was the biggest move in my life, but I just had to because I wasn't happy and I had to move forward. That's pretty much it. And um, I tried to stay, but it was a, this particular member in the group was the treasurer of the group. And I said, I, w- I would stay if, if we got a real treasurer. And not, you know, we've grown, we've gotten bigger. And um, this particular treasurer of the group, I would like to make outside treasure. I'll stay if I get my money and my things individually because I don't want this particular person to handle. And they were like, no. Wait, I have a question. So at this point in your career, mm-hmm. where there's platinum singles and yada, 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 mm-hmm. woo, 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 you guys are still operating on yep. that sort of level yep. where like, I'll collect the, 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 the payment at the end of the gig. Like you, yeah, you don't have yeah, a yeah. business manager or well, what we had, but we had a treasurer in the group and I didn't feel good about this particular situation. And I was like, no, we need to go to another level because it's about levels and it's about vision. It's about growth. Like everybody right. doesn't, sometimes you just simply outgrow a situation. That's pretty Thanks. much what it is. Climate. I just simply outgrew the situation. It's like a relationship. You're married. Do you want to go back to your ex-wife? No. You know, because you guys are going to, you know, because you've outgrown the situation. You know, it doesn't mean anything other than that. But yeah, we were still operating on that level. And this particular individual ended up being the problem who still right. to this day is collecting royalties that we don't know about. Now, Let's get to the VH1 situation. So the group had disbanded for a while. And, you right. know, Joyce, you know, had to say, hey, let's get the group back together. No, 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 I don't, I wasn't feeling that. If everybody was going to make that first move, I felt it should be me. So I didn't go forward with that. And um, I never got a call from this person at all. And next thing we know, uh, she was trying to trademark the name and it got, we found out about it and, right. um, and stopped it. But um, that's when the VH1 came in. And then after the VH1 story came in, in the in the um, when I saw how people were still very very much focused on climax and wanting to do things and shows and things like that, uh, we we decided to move forward and do some touring. Okay, here we are, 2021, 
Mm-hmm. If you will read the, then we got mm-hmm. an article. Yeah, yeah, I'm in it. I'm reading it. Yeah, with our okay. Shiro. So the headline is Climax yeah, Don't say the name, please, Lord. You don't like the look. Yeah. <laughs> okay, you want me to say the name? Okay, I, I won't say I the mean, name. Climax yeah, members say. <laughs> well, it's up to you whether you want to say it. It's in the billboard. Okay, you're right. Oh, you're right. Well, yeah, Sorry, Cheryl Cooley. It, uh, it, this, yeah. uh, that was your quote. But, but um, you know, so this individual has been doing all these unsavory things, bringing, the, uh, bringing our brand down to your typical um, um, band that plays at the local uh, uh, food mart for for, right. for $500, you know, mm-hmm. and using the name. So we tried to get her to stop and she admitted that she would stop and that she would only go out because, you know, as Cheryl Cooley, for, formerly of Climax, so we have that on tape. All right. So then I get a call one day that all of our, all of our uh, uh, publishing on ASCAP and um, on ASCAP specifically had been mm-hmm. changed, our, our publisher mm-hmm. split, including Rod Temperton, including a bunch of people. The oh, publishers, <laughs> all the splits, all the splits, all the writers shared had been changed into Cheryl Cooley's name. How can you do that legally? That's interesting. Well, well, nobody you knows can just, it. Yeah, you can nobody. just yeah, go in the system and log in. Turn away from the farm and listen, listen, people are not paying attention. People just weren't paying attention, you know. So anyway, let's move forward. Sony gets involved. Because they own half of the, that publishing from a public, so they get involved. Now it's Sony and ASCAP trying to figure out how this person got in and changed Jimmy Jam's publishing. Um, <laughs> um, <laughs> Red Writer Splits, Climax, not just us, um, uh, Rod Temperton, all of these people. Come on, ASCAP, Cooley. they got to fix this system. Cheryl Cooley. Yeah, Cheryl Cooley. So, anyway. Moving on, we called them. I sent them a letter. They fixed it. She changed it back somehow. Then we got. We woke up to wow. Lorena sent me because Lorena and I we, we speak all the time. Shout out to Lorena who's um um recovering from a cancer scare. Oh. All right, mm-hmm. we, we just did a project Thank together. God. It's really good. Mm-hmm. So um, Lorena uh, she goes um, hey, you got you know look at this article. And the article states that climax. Climax will be inducted into the Women's Writing Hall of Fame. All right. And we were mm-hmm. honored. We finally came together as a group as being honored. Oh my God. I don't, you know, we don't get along, but oh my God. <laughs> so uh, uh, we <laughs> waited around, you know, a week or two. I sent a letter. Thank you. We're honored. Lynn sent a letter. Thank you. Joyce sent a Wow. No response. Finally. <laughs> Finally, we got a hold of the people, and they were like, "Well, we're giving the honor to Cheryl Cooley." Mm. So we were like, "Wait a minute! Wait a minute! Wait a minute! Wait a minute!" I, you know, in kind, wrote a letter. No, this Climax is a group. No, you have to show us who owns the name. Cheryl was telling people that she owned the name, and and uh, apparently, this individual who's over this um, has some connection with Cooley, and she was dead set on giving Cooley this award. The Cooley doesn't write. I think she wrote. <laughs> it's the I, songwriters I, award, right? I put her right. name on. I put Cooley's name on Heartbreaker just because we're in the group. So, yeah, just for none. we didn't write nothing. So, but yeah, and it looks like you guys are abandoned. Right, right, I, I get right, it. right. And I've been in this situation. And I'm trying to get out the situation. Stop it. Yeah, the, the, the one song that we did was "Never Underestimate the Power of a Woman." Sure, Cooley and I did that. Excuse me, the very first song. Right. But other than that, Cheryl Cooley is just not a writer. 
Mm. Okay, I'm not saying, you know, she's not a hit writer. Let's put it like that. And if right. you look at all, if you look at all the names, so she, she happily went up to accept this award. Mm. Right. So it was on such a big platform of billboard being announced. People were calling me, Hey, congratulations. And I'm like, okay. So I called billboard and I'm like, you guys have to give us a, a chance to respond to this um. because you know, it's not right. You know, they didn't say we're giving an award to Cheryl Cooley of Climax. They said Climax. And that's that's a big coming from. So um, Billboard, we did a, you know, we, we responded. Yeah, yeah. We responded in, 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 um, in Billboard, you know, to try to set the record straight to make people understand. And also, you know, Billboard grabbed onto that ASCAP story because that was a big story with all the changes being made. So, right. That's it. So I just sent out a cease and desist, and hopefully, you know, because she was intent on going out as climax and the original climax. You're not the original climax, you know. So let's just hope that we can at least, you know, with the Truth and Music Act, you can go out and you can perform. Nobody's trying to stop you, but you got to play fair. And playing fair is climax between Cheryl Cody. But that's what she wants. Truth and Music Act. Okay. Yeah. Are you familiar with that? I wasn't until you said that. I feel like I should be, though. Yeah, I, I think ahead. I heard about this with Dennis Edwards. Well, Mary, mm, Mary, um, Mary, Mary Wilson, Wilson. Of, of the of the Supremes. Uh huh. Yes. She enact, She helped to enact that law. That if you, oh. if you are an individual member of a group that was successful, you have the right to go out using their name to make a living. Ah. Okay. Wow. Okay. Oh, no. the, yeah, yeah, but you have to be an original <laughs> member. Shut up, Amir. You know and. <laughs> And that's why you see so many groups kind of like, you know, going uh, yeah. out and doing And so many versions. different versions of groups. Yeah, I was going to yeah. say, yeah, I've seen it. like a lot of climaxes on the internet. There's a lot of climaxes on the internet. I'm trying to separate that now. And I'm really evolving into Bernadette Cooper and putting out music. But, you know, I can't, they're synonymous. Bernadette Cooper yeah. is pretty much synonymous. So I can't escape it, but it is what it is. There's nothing that can be done about it. I like the presents, right? Climax be, uh, presents. Yeah, yeah, presents yeah. the climatic divas. Yeah. Right, right. The climatic <laughs> divas. You know, so, and when we go out, you know, Climax is much bigger than just Bernadette Cooper. Climax is coming with the hit. So yeah. Bernadette Cooper has a whole, a whole nother album, Drama According to Bernadette Cooper. Yes. So it's, um, it's um, you know, so, yeah. So Joyce is going out with her concept. Cheryl Cooley's going out with her concept. And, you know, Everybody's allowed to do it. And the main mm-hmm. thing is we're doing the hits and people are it's keeping the hits in people's memories. So that's the way I look at it. I'm not tripping about it no more. And, I really and so my life. there's just no ice cubes chance in hell that this can come um, to a place where you guys will just. I'll say never say never, but um, I love I your optimism. I have a clear vision of where I want to go. You know, she got a vision. Yes. With the second half of my life, you know, which includes, talk about it. which includes, because when you go back into the group scenario, it becomes that whole compromise thing. I don't want to compromise. Ante. Ooh. I talk. I don't want to compromise anymore. My, you know, life is short. I want to be able to do it my way. And at the end of the day, go, Oh, you know, Frank Sinatra, I did it my way, you know, and kind of like no disrespect, but you know, I, that's that's the way I feel about it. And I don't want to shed, you know, history is history and everybody has history and everybody has things they say about the members of the band and all of that. But I would never, um, 
it's all good. We yeah. had a great run. We created history. We should be honored. You know, I don't understand how they could do these rock girls alive and girls on. And they listen, I was curious. I was like, did Beyonce ever come? Does she know? Because that whole girl band that she had going on. I was like, I'm curious if she knew the. The the girls in the band know the women who play instruments. Okay, that's what matters. Okay, that's Mm -hmm. what matters, you know, but, you know, not to, you know, not to come out vain or egotistical or any of those things because you know I'm, I'm just i'm pretty even but i'm cool i'm cool i just want to move forward okay. and the girls are entitled to use the name and if anybody is out there and you go see climax featuring whoever and if we're all playing fair enjoy the music you know because yeah. yeah so when i'm long gone that music will still be going on you know yeah right yeah. yes ma'am and that's pretty much it I know that's right. I like when they shut well, down and interview themselves. I, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm gonna can I ask myself a question? Yeah. Okay. Yes. No, I'm just playing with you guys. <laughs> you <laughs> I mean, you know, yeah, um, no, no. Oh, yeah, say it. What you want to say? No, I'm no, I'm good. I'm just, you know, just moving forward. That's it. That's a beautiful. We didn't, we didn't, we didn't talk about drama according to Bernadette Cooper. I'm, I'm, I'm about to go there. You, oh, okay. you that was kinda, my question. Well, no, I was going to ask when 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 you finally got to that came out in 1990, I believe. Yeah. When you got to drama Bernadette Cooper, how liberated did you feel? Oh my god! In it in it falling on you and like being your own artist, being your own voice. Oh my gosh! Like was it was it a, a breath of fresh air or that can that much freedom can also be scary? So. For you, what was it like? Freedom. You know, it's a very much, I equate it very much to um, what's happening today, even though a lot of people, I mean, we're able to put out music freely mm-hmm. and, you know, put it on, you know, CD Baby or whatever and put your music out. But back then it was freedom to me, you know, being in a band and, um, you know, probably that's why the album was such a cool album because it was my first taste of freedom. Wow. Okay, I can Freedom. take. And a lot of people was on that album. Lenny Kravitz. Um, uh, there was a, a, a Paulino DeCost. A lot of people played on because Jerry Brown was bringing in all those major uh, musicians. You know, it's funny because I was going to ask if Lenny Kravitz and you went back from the the scene of being in California back in the day because I know he was a little younger, but I know he was out and about before he was supposed to be too. Yeah, I met him through Tina. We used to hang out at Tina's all the time. You said you was going to give us a Tina story. Well, like, well the time, they come to me slowly. Okay. But, sure. all right. all but right. no, I met, I met him, you know, through Tina. He would hang out at Tina's house, you know. He was da- he was dating Lisa Bonet at that time, you know. Mm. So I asked him if he would play. He came and played. But he, but he then immediately got a deal with Virgin right. and Records, and he told me he couldn't. He didn't want me to credit him, so you won't see his credit on the album. But he was, oh wow, yeah, he played on it. Okay. He played on um, dun, dun, dun. let's be discreet about it. Ooh. That's Lenny, really funky guitar, yeah. Okay, now I got to revisit that. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Wait, can you explain? Okay, I had the cassette long, long time ago. Mm-hmm. The Howard Hughes song. Can you? Like the way that your mind works, like how do you even go? Like what was? I know that the whole that album elevates your your personality. 
and mm-hmm. even more. But like from the beginning, like who was the con- who conceptualized that record as far as really bringing your character to life? I did. I remember I had the free. I had the freedom to do that, and um, taking things from a, a, a song by a song by song basis and li- looking at what I had and what I needed. Mm-hmm. You know, to um, yeah, I just took it. You know, I would listen to the song of Jerry and I. Jerry and I did a lot of that talking about it and conceptualizing what's needed. Oh, you need something really funky now. Okay, let's right. be discreet about it. Lenny Kravitz is coming. Okay, what do I need? I need something about a woman who's just, you know, who's looking for a wealthy man because that's the reality of the world. You know, women women love to be, um, they love the security. So that's mm-hmm. how um, Howard Hill sitcom came up. Yeah, that's how that came up. It wasn't from experience. It was purely from, you know, just thinking about what's missing and what's needed. Well, you also mentioned... Um... Lou Silas, who, you know, of course, has had major success and has left us. But what was he like as an executive? Oh, my gosh. Lou. Oh, um, going out on the road with him the first time. He was our point person who would take us around to the radio stations and things. And right. he, would, he got a fixation on Lorena. So, you know, uh, <laughs> so. We would go out on the road and deal with that all the time. And he was very, very, he had, he had great vision. And he would have, hey, Bernadette, come, come on down to the studio. I got a concept and I want you to um, put a concept on this. I think, you know, just talk. I'm going to put the microphone in front of you. He was very good right. at bringing people together. And as a businessman, you know, Lou signed me as, he signed me as a, a solo artist. So right. he was wonderful. He when he was at MCA, he says you're one of the first acts I want to sign, and he signed me. What well, that's what I was going to say. Like I know, like was he more of a suit or was he really a music guy? He was a oftentimes. Music guy. Say it again. He was he was a music guy. He okay. had ideas. He had vision. He knew how to bring the right people together in order to achieve a certain song, a certain um, thing on an album. Because you know, after I did the mental pause, he says, "Okay." You got to come back with that same thing on meeting in the ladies' room because that was so popular. That was one of the things that people remember. I need that same thing mm-hmm. on this particular album, meeting in the ladies' room. Right. So we went to Larrabee, and he turned the mic on, and I said, "I had to leave my condo to come to this," you know, and that's how that <laughs> happened. Probably talking to him. <laughs> yeah, you know. Uh, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, how did you? How did you even know? Uh, it's so weird because, you know, if you really look at the character that you built, I mean, it's so it's such a precursor to what hip hop became 10 years later. Mm-hmm. Like you are probably the first person I've ever heard name drop like Versace. Yes. Kenneth Cole. Yeah. Name, <laughs> yeah, names I've never heard of before that rappers would start just. And that became Diva. their birthright 10 years later. And Diva. And Diva. And Diva. Um, I was fearless. You have to understand. She is and fearless. I was, and, I was in, and I was into clothes, and they started sending me clothes. And um, um, I just kind of like, I just kind of spoke my mind. I wish I really allowed myself to have, um, you know, uh, now you have to be a little bit more reserved because everybody's so sensitive. And the things right. that you say, you what? know, but 
thought yeah, that's what yeah. age was for. So you don't have to yeah. do those things. You know, you know, I, I even think about it. I, you know, I, I even think about my demographics, what they want to hear from me. You know, they, you know, and I don't want to continue and be a caricature of my old self, you know? Right. So I, I was going to say, do you get home. tired of having to turn it on in a snap? Like, are there days where you just wish like you never had to invent that character to, you know, I'm naturally a com- a, com- a, com- a comedian. Right. So I'm always, that comes very easy for me. The character is easy. The character is more easier than me being myself, you know? Okay. Yeah, I could bring the character and I'm much more comfortable on stage than I am anywhere, you know, so um, I don't struggle with it at all. I don't struggle with it. I, I, I'm, I'm working on now and the product that you hear me putting out is, is kind of the, um, the, the uh, me, the evolution of Bernadette Cooper and me who has evolved into the woman and kind of like slowing down a little bit so that I can perform my songs way until, you know, I get older and older, my songs to be able to. And I, I wish I could do a song, an album on Janet Jackson because I think she would be good at doing that so she doesn't have to get up and do Rhythm Nation and all of those things. Right. That's, that's a lot. Yeah. To be dancing and all that, you know, now's the time to kind of slow it down and go into the new you and your, and your demographics will follow because they, they're there too. Right. They're there too. They're it's the true. same age, you know. So that's what I'm doing right now with the projects that I'm that I'm working on, you know. Uh, one more thing, I, it just hit me. Did you at any point did you ever consider uh, the the sort of going down the 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 acting lane because you were yes. so charismatic? You know, I never. You should have done movies. Yeah, and you had the you face know, for it too. You know, I've had yeah. many people come to me. I've even gone to auditions. I flopped. Oh my god, my mouth won't move. I, it's not for me. That's what, what somebody. You gotta what, have your alter ego do the audition. Yeah, I'm. I'm just like you know, panic. That's for somebody <laughs> who has who has studied. I've gone there and literally, literally couldn't read the lines. My mouth wouldn't move. I was so afraid. I said, "This is not for me. <sighs> I don't have." You a were passion. in your head. I don't have a yeah, I don't she have don't a passion do it. for it. Mm-hmm. But you know what I have a passion for? And that's coming out and here's a here's a uh, commercial. Yeah, you're gonna doing, drop that. I'm gonna drop that. I'm doing audiobooks. Right? Oh, okay. Yeah, I'm what? doing I doing fiction and I'm doing the characters with soundtrack and all of that. And oh, Fonte. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's really, yeah. really episodic adventures. It's really, really wonderful. I love you that transition. What? Yes, and I love it. I love it. I got when, when is this coming out? Done a couple. I love it. The, the newest one. Well, I've written. I've written um, several books. I haven't released them because I'm creating the audio book from these concepts. But the the new one called The Strokes is coming out probably in. Um, Jerry is mixing the last song, um, mm-hmm. probably. Maybe December, if not December, first of the year, and it's really, really cool. It's because I'm I'm looking at the our demographics and women now being a majority of the breadwinners, and but we're busy. We're we're taking the kids to school, we're going to work, then we got to get off work, and we got to go pick up the kids, and we got to come back home, and then we got to cook and get them to bed. We don't have time to read a book. So these episodic adventures are things you can put in and you can listen to on your way to soccer practice. You know, and come back. And they're so funny and exciting. The first one is the strokes. It's a racial thing about a woman who's transformed 
by a, a white, a, a, a racist white woman who's transformed. She, something happens to where she has to be transformed by a black woman who's in her proximity and she changes for the best. And, and they're all situated into a nursing home. And um, you, you also get the characters and because if you ever go into a nursing home, which I've been in a lot of them because I've been mm-hmm. dealing with my grandmother and my mother's health, um, mm-hmm. there, there are some old souls in there, some mm-hmm. unresolved souls. Mm-hmm. And if you listen to those people who are 90 years old, they're putting these racist white people in with black people. And there's a lot going on. It in those is homes. interesting. Yeah. But wow. it's interesting because you learn about the souls and the things that they've gone through. So wow. this 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 particular um this first audio book kind of explores that you know that pretty much if you don't take care and resolve those negative spirits and those spirits in the inside of you now they follow you until the rest of your life so that's what this book is about wow yeah yeah it's really i, I love it now that's an I evolution i like that yeah i've okay. been talking to, i've been you know i've been talking to some heavy hitters about it you know Harper Collins. Oh, uh, okay. Talk about it. Yeah, and um, um, Patrick over at Harper We've been discussing it for for a while, and it's just so it's such a new concept. It's not your typical audio book that he doesn't know what to quite. We're trying to fit her in, fit it into it because the beauty of it, Quest, is also the soundtrack is available. Right. Oh, okay. Okay. You know. Wow. So I'm glad to 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 know that you're still having dreams and you're 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 still manifesting it. Yeah. And the fact that you know you you allowed us to you know g- g- gave us uh the honor of being your art, audience to to really learn of your story and your history and thank you. You know, cuz again like there there weren't platforms like this when I was a kid wanting to know of my favorite groups that I saw on television. And, you know, like if you weren't in Ride On Magazine, it wasn't like Rolling Stone was going to take the time out to give you guys the same billing that they would give like the Go-Go's or that sort exactly. of thing. Exactly. Yeah. Absolutely. Wow. Yeah, well, absolutely. Well, I'm, I'm honored to um to be here, really. And um, honored that you invited me onto your show. This is like really a cool thing for me. Wow. Well, I'm glad you did it. Man, thanks uh, for being here. You know. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Ladies and gentlemen, the 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 immortal Bernadette Cooper on Quest Left Supreme. I thank you very much for coming. Thank you. On Need behalf, another girl band. Need another girl. Band. On behalf <laughs> of uh, Wait, on my to, ears, Sugar Steve uh, and Fontigolo. Wait, and why do you have Bill. to say on behalf? Can we say goodbye for ourselves? <laughs> so, <laughs> goodbye, this, everybody. You know Look, you dude, want, this is my love, peace, and soul, dude. All right. Sugar Steve, Steve that was on behalf of Fontigolo, Laia, and Unpaid Bill. Bye, y'all. And you got any last words, Sugar Steve? Yeah, bye. Anyway, so <laughs> goodbye, y'all, and we'll see you on the next go round. Right. <laughs> go find me. Yo, what's up? This is Fonte. Make sure you keep up with us on Instagram at QLS and let us know what you think and who should be next to sit down with us. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast. All right? Peace. Love Supreme is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Hi, it's Sugar Steve from Questlove Supreme. If debit is your go-to card, Discover thinks it's time you get rewarded too. So, 
Check out Discover Cashback Debit, a game-changing checking account with cash back on everyday debit card purchases. That's right. Cashback isn't just for credit cards anymore. Whether it's a movie date, flea market find, or midday latte, you can start earning cash back. And did I mention there are no fees? Period. Check out transaction eligibility and terms at discover.com slash cashbackdebit. Discover Bank. Member FDIC. Farm to store in days, not weeks. That's 80 Acres Farms. Did you know most salads travel over 2,000 miles to reach your plate? But not 80 Acres Farms. Their crisp salad greens and herbs are food less traveled. They stay fresher for longer in your fridge. My salad lasts all week long, which means less food waste and easy meal planning. Oh, and did I mention there's zero need to wash these greens? Because 80 Acres Farms uses zero pesticides. Visit 80acresfarms.com to learn more and find their salads and salad kits at your local Harris Teeter. Hey, hey, it's Malcolm Gladwell, host of Revisionist History. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Your elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive entirely its own. Brake kits, LED headlights, whatever you need, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply.